Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Today's episode is brought to you by Bluefish Design in Tempe, Arizona. Bluefish Design is a full-service marketing ad agency. They can work with you on your branding, your rebranding, your marketing, your logos, your website development, whatever it takes to take your company to the next level. They're fun, they're hip, they're young, they're fresh. Check them out, www.bluefish.com. That's B-L-U-F-I-S-H.com. And now for today's episode, you know, we're back after a long break. We actually recorded this episode a couple weeks ago with our friend Youssef. We blind tasted him on three different Malbecs. We talk all about the Arizona restaurant industry. It's fun to have a non-professional insight into the wine business. And it was really fun having him on the show. And he shared one hell of a special beer with us. It's a lot of fun. We really hope you enjoy today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Cut off whatever you want. It's a podcast. Yeah. Well, you actually, cut off the middle, the corners. I don't do them just like a an, tip, maybe. Yeah, oh, yeah. You could definitely circumcise the shit out of this yeah. podcast. We'll just like, take a little off the tip. I, but you have to do it with a like New York rabbi accent. You have to be like, I'm going to just, cut the corners <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> it's just the beginning. Yeah. And don't record this on Friday nights because it's the Shabbos, Marty. You can't have the yeah. Shabbos in the podcasting. Wait, the Shabbos Friday? Friday night to Saturday. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's, I thought it was starts, Saturday night to Sunday. I just learned something No, new. it starts Friday night. I like beginning a as podcast the resi- with a new... As uh, the resident Muslim drinker, I'm going to tell you that... Excellent. <laughs> we are infidels. No, I was just going to tell you when the Shabbos was. Because <laughs> I know everything. <laughs> I'm a scholar. So, uh, you're, yeah. so you're Muslim? What is there much drinking in I that culture? We weren't talking about religion. <laughs> no, no, but no, I'm actually kind of curious. Not, we're not saying Islamic. No. Oh, I'm we're sorry. Yes, because that's a word. Yeah. Islamic is. What, I don't know how what that are you, works. Are you just making things up, probably. John? But I'm curious about like drinking in that culture. No, of course Because a couple it's, people it's that like are the, the three main sins, you know, pork, drinking, and porking. Okay, <laughs> which you enjoy all of them? Which, maybe. <laughs> well, maybe not the. Which one leads to the well, other? Like pork. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie to everybody here and tell you that I've never tried it, but I'm not like, like ham is gross to me. Ham is terrible. Thank you. See, and like what's Bacon weird is, is, great. is people be like, you know what, Mark, man, you got to eat a pig. And I'm just like, you know what's uh, you not know how bad good? ham is? That particular type of pig. Why is there a giant store called Honey Baked Ham? As if putting honey on it, baking it was going to make me think it was good. It wasn't good. That and the fact that nobody eats Canadian bacon because it's just ham, basically. Yeah, tell that to Matt's Big Breakfast, who has apparently started an entire conglomerate on feeding people Canadian bacon. Ugh. It's on everything there. That yeah, makes sense. See, I can't stand regular old ham. Like, my grandmother cooked ham on certain holidays, but she always cooked me like a pork chop on the side. I always had a separate dish because I couldn't stand it. But I'll tell you right now, I love prosciutto. I mean, listen, I, I'm not going to say no to that thing. I, when I, I, what, my biggest thing is, I, you know, first time I traveled overseas, I was, I was in college, I was an intern, right? So I, I went to Denmark, I was in Copenhagen, and I told myself, like, I'm not going to not try anything. I'm going to try everything, everything yeah. I can try, right? Uh, food and drink-wise. I had, I think, my first like chorizo there. And I was like, whoa, chorizo in Europe is a bad idea. <laughs> you, know? you don't know what's in it. Well, because then everyone's telling me, they're like, oh, yeah, the chorizo was so good here. We got it from Germany. And I'm like, why is that good? Okay, I'm <laughs> from Arizona. Terrible. Do you want me to show you a map? You know, There's some places I should stick to what they're doing. I don't want chorizo in Germany. You want sausages out there? I'll take them all day long. For you can sure. Put all the weird crap you want to that. But I don't want chorizo from 100%. Germany. 100%. And, and, and when I went to Spain, though, and then you see all the, the jamón iberico hanging. From yeah. The and you realize, like, if I don't eat this thing, 
I'm probably a bad human being. Probably. Like, why would I not eat that thing? I should try it. It's hanging from it's the hanging, ceiling. Yeah. And every Spanish it's person like I've display. seen walk in has had a drink, and the moment I've seen their teeth sink into a piece of bread with jamón iberico on it, they, like, suddenly glow... You know, a, a, a classic church choir sings. It's they're happy. They're so all of a sudden happy. it gets brighter behind them, and there's like sunbeams yeah. going past them. Jesus is holding up his right hand. A bit. <laughs> I love the Spanish though. They are so freaking happy all the time. Like they live such it's, a fun life. Like they're like, oh, you take a nap. It's okay. You can just go back to work later. It's <laughs> my retirement plan is to go live in the south of Spain. Well, what else are you gonna do besides eat pork, pork, and drink all day? Well, it, I mean, it feels like home to me. Well, their their diet is actually mostly seafood. They it have is, a ton yeah, yeah. Especially, of seafood especially in Andalusia. And I, yeah. my family's from Libya, so I'm North African, Mediterranean, so, and I'm, it, I'm Berber actually. I'm Amazigh is what the the term is, but the Moors was what they call uh, okay. the Moors. But the Amazigh, the North Africans, traveled into the south of Spain. Right, they were part of that that. Uh, Utopia that was Andalusia. <laughs> that was Andalusia. So um, a lot of my culture is still infused into Spanish culture down there and Andalusian culture. So when I went there the first time, I mean, like, I immediately felt like I was home. It was well, what is it? That whole, is it the Basque region? That whole south? No, the Basque region is actually north. It's north. It's north. Okay. So Andalusia is south. So basically, once you hit south of Madrid, you get to about Cordoba. Cordoba. Yeah. Uh, you go from Cordoba down and, and um, along there. You, you know, can see that that Sabia, the influence Granada. that works out through that whole southern Mediterranean. Is oh, beautiful. old, 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 beautiful mosques got turned into yep. churches, and they still have all the Arabic. <laughs> then back to mosques, then back to churches, back to mosques. Yeah, depending exactly. on what century. <laughs> Worst game of pong ever. <laughs> have you ever had the like real tapas in Spain? Oh yeah, it's amazing oh, how yeah. they do it out there. Like it's such a ripoff in America. Oh, it's stupid here. It's like well, oh, and, and uh, they do the same thing in Barcelona. They've decided to Americanize tapa. And so you get out there, and they're like, "Yeah, it's thirty-eight bucks. You're gonna love it. Yeah, How many yeah. of these do I have to order? Seventeen. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Smorgasbord. You, you, you get a quarter of a piece of corn for like the price of a full ear of corn. Yeah, just because they call it tapa. In in Sevilla, uh, you can go have, you know, a one euro caña of of beer or a pour of house wine, right? And then like a one euro order of meat and potatoes or a grilled chicken or. Like a pre-made, they make a giant thing of paella, and then they'll just give you a scoop of it. Yeah, you can just keep going for one or two euros, and that's what people do all day and all night, and it's the best thing ever. It's, it's brilliant. It really is. I mean, well, they they do it right because you're if you're actually drinking a lot and eating a lot, you're going to keep drinking a lot. So if you're going to give you somebody a little tapa with their drink, they're going to obviously get a second drink, probably a third drink, probably a fourth drink. Something super salty, oh, something yeah. with a little riches, something to soak up some alcohol, make you want, make you thirsty. Plus, you know, you have like a dinner experience that's lasting about three hours long. I mean, you're going to definitely want to nibble the entire time over multiple different things. Here, it's one thing we don't have out here is you don't really see people just kind of starting off and hanging out for three hours at a place. No, and I, I, I was going to say, and here's what I find interesting, is that some places you would go get tapa, and it would be, um, you know, you had to pay for every plate you ate. But there are places like, like Granada, for example, where you buy a drink, they bring you tapa. And it's just like, it's there. And that seemed to be an extension of the aperitivo thing in Italy. Yeah. Right? You know where you just buy a drink and there's this buffet of food. Did you see that when you were in Italy? It's very common for them to have meats and cheeses, uh, nuts, like a spice nuts out on the table just automatically. I mean, it's really common over there. We saw... It was especially so in, in, in Milan, and I hate that city. Don't tell anybody. That's not, to, me that, to me, that's not even Italy. <laughs> it's not. It's, I, you would have had this conversation. It's, it's, it's New York, but cleaner. 
Uh, oh, it's not cleaner. I mean, corners of it are. <laughs> oh, maybe well, by the, maybe by the Duomo? <laughs> no way. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. It's like, you know. First time. The only two parts of Milan that are nice is around the Duomo and near the airport. Or the actual airport itself. I'm like, pretty sure anything with Duomo in its name, which seems to be common in Italy, is probably fairly clean. <laughs> yeah. They're probably like, it's Il Duomo. Which one? Yeah. Il Duomo Tres. Just hey. go to that part <laughs> of the neighborhood. But when you take that train from the airport to downtown, it is it's crazy. I was like, oh my God, the, the poverty, the... I mean, it just, it's run down. It's not what I thought. I was thinking Milan is this fashion capital of the world. Oh my God, I must see hot models everywhere. Uh-uh. Well, dude, yeah. if people ever thought of Manhattan the way that it used to be, they'd be blown away by how big of an absolute shithole Manhattan was, what, 30 years ago? When, like, they had hookers and uh, all the, uh, like, the, the, porn, the porn buildings, yeah. like, right there downtown until somebody came in and cleaned it all up. I don't understand. All of that's still there. They just made it nicer. Well, they're not hookers anymore. <laughs> they're escorts. Right. Yeah, <laughs> they're yes. only hookers when they're dead. They're right. <laughs> well... <laughs> Giuliani, kicked, Theft Auto, Gu- Giuliani kicked them all out of uh, Manhattan. He just sent them to the other districts. The is other that borough. what it is? That's <laughs> just all that happened. Pushed them into <laughs> North Manhattan or yeah. into Brooklyn and Queens. You're going to Hoboken, ho? <laughs> the Hobo- the Hobo- no, he sent all those people to New Jersey. <laughs> all of that went over to Staten Island in New Jersey. Ah, uh, Jersey's so nasty. I mean, but then again, when I fly into New York City, I actually fly into Newark most of the time because it's so much easier. Plus, they have a direct train from Newark directly into Manhattan. It's actually easier to get to Manhattan if you fly into Newark. I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard that. I don't fly in and out. Never of... fly to LaGuardia. Oh, my God. Who was I think it was there was some politician that actually said he goes, he referred to LaGuardia as a third world nation. <laughs> he got a lot of flack for <laughs> that. I mean, by he's that. not wrong. He's like, it's the number one city in the world, and their airport is a third world nation. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, every airport in America is a third world nation. We got some nice Look, airports, hey, but they're not like Singapore just, or some of these other countries. Just because a bunch of my people are working at the airport now, okay? That's every, mean it's a third world nation. Well, here's nation. the thing it's everybody, everybody's race, everybody's creed works at the airport, but it's always the people who should not be working at the airport. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> that we all suck. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I oh, do. Man. I'll tell you right now. When it comes to the airports, though, I appreciate Phoenix Airport probably more than most of them because it actually has good food. We have one of That's a good point. The best airports I've ever been to, and and you know I travel a lot. Yeah. See, I, I mean, yes, it's probably one of my favorite airports it's in, in fantastic. the United States. It is one of my favorite airports. Well, the fact I that, love the fact you can show up in thirty minutes before your flight takes off and still make it because you're in and out in like twenty seconds most of the time. Most of the time, but not on like a Friday or. a Sunday. And in a weird Wednesday. I've had some weird days. There's been some weird ones recently. Yeah. As a traveler, though, if you get stuck in, you know, Midway or you get stuck in Sacramento, you get stuck anywhere around the country, you're eating, you know, McDonald's or Sabaros or. I'm he, sorry. He loves Sabaros. Did, did you just <laughs> rag on Sabaros? So, but here. Podcast you, over. <laughs> no, hold on. I want. No, let's not overlook the Sabaros thing. I need, to, I need to know more about John, and I think this is a good way. It's a good way. Let's get to know each other a little bit. Let me tell you why Sabaros no, is the world's... Let me ask the questions, John. <laughs> Sabaros <laughs> is the best worst pizza on the planet. All right, well, that's all I it need to know. It is basically raw dough with super sugary mozzarella, people who hate their lives serving it, and it's fantastic. If I wanted someone to make for me and make me pay for something I would have made completely blitzed out of my mind, I... Would just have friends over. <laughs> I'd be like, I'd be, I'd be like, hey, guys, help yourselves to the fridge. I hope you've enjoyed all of these beverages we've just had. Yes, it was cheap yeah. whiskey. You know what I mean? Yeah. So everybody has a guilty pleasure with some sort of fast food or some nostalgia. I mean, for it's, me, growing up, Jack in the Box. See, where I grew up in New York, there was some local diners that might not have been corporate, but they sucked. But I love Bob's Diner in New York. I mean, it's 
the shittiest gravy and the shittiest fries, and man, it is delicious. Yeah. Or we had Friendly's growing up. Friendly's was like a Denny's, or I used to love going to Sizzler. I mean, certain oh, things are like... God, see, you are a I, garbage but, uh, person. But I'm saying it's, it's, that, it's that nostalgia <laughs> well, uh, thing. I'm not going to let the guy who said Sparrow's is one of his favorite places to eat <laughs> yes. tell this man that Sizzler makes him a garbage person. That's right. I have, no, I am no, mediating right now. I've accepted <laughs> that I am a dumpster human being in moments, and Sparrow's is the so only place... bring him into the dumpster with you. <laughs> it's not fair. Oh, he knows he I live there. He just said he likes Sizzler's. <laughs> Everyone liked Sizzler at some point in their lifetime. Look, my grandparents used to take me to Old drunk? Country Buffet. Am I a garbage person? Yeah, a little bit. We're all we're all terrible people. Uh, terrible. Everybody who goes <laughs> to the cracker to the, fact the that cracker barrels, cracker barrels, cracker barrels. Are, yeah. Oh man, cracker barrel. Sobraus is only meant for people who should be drunk at three a.m. Terrible travelers at airports and trucker stops. It's the only place they exist anymore. Like a Love's gas station. Sobraus is so hated that even malls across America went. No, we don't want you. We in don't here. want you. You There's, suck it out. And and to tie this all together, I was recently at DFW Airport. There's still a Sparrows there. There is. There's also one in Seattle. There's one in Oakland. I can tell you where the Sparrows is. One in Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> if Do there you, was if there was a Google Sparrows, I know where they all are. <laughs> you have like a Sparrow Where Are You app? I did. I actually drove down to Tucson one time because I was picking up wine for like an event we were doing in Sonora and uh, and down in Sonora. And I'm driving down and I just see like that sign we were talking about where there's a light shining behind it and Jesus is standing there pointing because there's a Sbarro sign on the way down at a truck stop. And I'm just like, oh my God, it still exists. Pulled off, went in there, diarrhea three hours later, 100% worth it. <laughs> this is the part where everyone turned off the podcast. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but I'll tell you, going back to what we have here in Phoenix though, it is so nice to be able to get, you know, a Stetson Chop Salad or be able to go into a Four Peaks Brewery or go yeah. into, you know, a Chef's Bar- Bar- Barrio so Cafe good. if you're flying out of sea and you get to get some, you know, Silvana's recipes. They moved in, was it Zinc Bistro's in there? Is, is, it is Zinc in there? Or is it... Z- uh, uh, there is, there's Zinc in uh, Terminal 4 in the, the, high, in, the high, in the high seas. Well, yeah. you know, and, and speaking of Stetson Chop Salads, it's nice to know that that's the last remaining semblance of, of uh, Cowboy Chow. Like, that's it. Yeah. It's there. Yeah. It's right there. And who knows? It might make a comeback someday. Yeah, like tomorrow. In like one to three <laughs> years, maybe. <laughs> you just never know. But the two to four with good behavior. <laughs> so, so this was something the Phoenix Airport did. <laughs> Sorry, that was great. <laughs> this actually saved a lot of restaurants from the recession. A lot of these people would have been out of business if it wasn't for that. So they actually huh. went into the airport in 2008 to 2010, and they kicked all the corporate people out. And they put all the local guys in there. That's what actually kept Cowboy Chow open all those years. Peter lost his ass from the recession because he was about to open up four other restaurants where Barrio Queen time. is and Papa's Papa's Fritas is over there. Those were all going to be Peter Kaspersky concepts. They were built out. Couldn't open them because of the recession. Yep. When he opened up in the airport, that gave him the capital to keep the other two restaurants open. So I get to blame Peter and the recession for Tapas Papa Frita being open because yes. that place sucks. I've heard. I've that. never eaten there, only because I've heard it's like people who actually know tapas, like yourself, are like, dude, it's not what you think. No, like I mean, like I don't even mind if you send them a link to just me saying that over and over again. <laughs> that place sucks. I've never had a good meal there, um, even at the previous location, because they were at a previous location like ten years before. Yeah. Is there but, any good tapas yeah. place? Like a really good, like authentic Spanish Ken Orange, food. So Ken Oranger just opened up in the Scottsdale Princess, I think. Did he? Uh, to- uh, Toro, which is my favorite tapa restaurant I've gone in to Toro. America, the one in Boston. I haven't. Oh, had... in Boston. I'm yeah. sorry, the Princess one. Yeah. The, yeah. The best tapa I've had recently was actually in DC. 
like in the States at all. And that was just, uh, out of this world. I'm sure there's a great place in New York. I'm sure there's a great place in Chicago. There's like little hidden things I haven't seen it. There's two places in D.C. And, and they were amazing. I'll remember the name in a moment, but it was something very like cliche. You know, like tapa, but not. <laughs> you know, yeah. It wasn't so. <laughs> tapa squares. <laughs> tapa square. Yeah. Good food, man. So, I'm excited, man. The food scene's getting great out here while we constantly complain about how, you know, spread out it is. At least yeah. it's getting better every single year. I mean, how many chefs have we seen, like, all of a sudden make it on TV or they get cooked or something? And all of a sudden you're starting to see, like, okay, maybe Phoenix does have a food scene. We were talking about this last night, how we were shut out of the Food Network for years and years and years. And all of a sudden over the last six months, there's tons of chefs here locally ending up on the Food Network. Um, the same episode where the chef from Atlas is going to be airing next week. Yeah. Tammy from uh, Cotton, Cotton Copper, Copper is, gonna be just, sa- is I, on the same episode. I saw her yesterday. Oh, actually. they went up against each other? Yeah. Which is Dude, they shot that episode a year plus ago. Yeah. It's crazy. I, was, I actually saw her and Sean yesterday, and she was working on some stuff for Nirvana, which looks pretty exciting. How was the meal there? Oh, fantastic. I, did, I finally gave in and did the mushroom pastrami, which is a vegetarian pastrami sandwich. Okay. It's out of this world, man. Really? Oh, yeah. It was incredible. You lost me a vegetarian. That's the thing. They you lost, start talking about your CrossFit they, next. They lost me. To, yeah, because I do CrossFit. I wish you were. I, I wish you had moved on to video already, so that people could see what I look like right now and understand that I'm not terribly overweight. I just don't look like I do CrossFit. Okay, everybody. All right, so, uh, so please sure. tell me about your your vegan. I mean, your uh, oh, fuck you. <laughs> Don't worry about it. All I'm saying is you go try it, and then you come back and talk shit, okay? I have a problem eating some vegetarian dishes. I'm not. I'm a meat eater. Do you like hummus? Yes. You fucking vegetarian. What do you, what do you want me to do? What do you cover your hummus in duck fat? Like, it's still the same thing. It's, it's, it's I mean, yeah, that'd, that'd be fantastic, probably. Oh, oh, duck, duck fat hummus is probably good. Some foie gras hummus would be Ooh. good, too. Guys, yeah, it got silent for a second. Everyone, went, everyone went, yeah, we're all thinking. Maybe. Everyone's trying to figure out what to do with like duck fat. Foie so what you're saying is hummus. meat makes it better. <laughs> yes. Oh, and one of my favorite hummus dishes is hummus covered in like shawarma or like lamb. Yeah, I never had a shawarma till Damien took me to. I don't remember where it was, but they had a generic knockoff shawarma. I was like, where did oh. you go? You know that Kyber Halal is like right a mile down the road. Yeah, and it's it's pretty good. It's really good. I've, yeah, I've been there a few times. Yeah. George's Euros is, was pretty decent. I don't trust anybody named George. Well, it's He's not Greek. George. It's like Jorge. I it's don't probably know. not Jorge. No, it's <laughs> not Jorge. Is it Giorgio? <laughs> yes, it's Giorgio. Thank you. I was like, I'm going to miss it. Mr. it. Is it Mr. Jorge Papa is Spanish. <laughs> I mean, you've obviously been to the place in Tempe. Which which one? The one right by Matt's office. Uh, right. Oh, the, you're talking about Phoenicia. Yes. Yeah. Good. But best shawarma, in my opinion, is actually still in Tempe, but down the road is Princess Market. And if you've never been, is that Halich Boy? I'll meet you there anytime, any yeah. place. Princess? Well, I mean, at that place, but anytime. <laughs> we'll is that that little uh, the Islamic Market with the? It's got the tower and that's an blue Islamic and white? Market. Do I don't know. Just, do, I just know they, it's got they, the mosque tower. You walk tower. in and they like they like force you to put on a headscarf as you shop. Is no, that they that very is? politely go. Uh, what are you doing here? You're thinking of <laughs> I think you're thinking of Phoenicia. Is it Phoenicia? Yeah. Yeah. You're thinking of Phoenicia, which is right next to the mosque. Really? It's but, so that's got because I didn't know if they had like really good shawarmas in there. I gotta go no, try that. The place is really good. It's actually a friend of mine's family owns it. It's fantastic. I mean, I like gotta go to Princess Market, Amira. It's on the 101 Broadway. It's really, really good. They're a grocery store and like have a kitchen in the back and they have the, the you know, the dining area on the right, but it's really, really good and super well-priced. Okay. You can get out of there for five bucks for like a sandwich. That. There's some really cool marketplaces around. Back when they had the Chinese market, they had a lot of really fun stuff that you could go down, grab, eat, and be like, okay, this is stuff you wouldn't find literally anywhere else. And it's fantastic and reasonably priced compared to anywhere else you would go. 
but I don't think it's there anymore. Which was the that one, the one that was right off by the airport? Two? Yeah. Yeah. The now they've got Lily's, man. They put them out of business. Lee, really? Well, if you go down Dobson Road, it's basically become Little Asia. So I live uh, about a mile away from Lily's, and Lily's is in an old Mega Foods. If you've been in Arizona long enough, you remember Mega Foods. It was fucking huge. It was like the size of a Walmart, just a grocery store. It was like a Costco, but a grocery store. That's what it was. Okay. Okay. So now this is Lily's. Oriental market's what it says, you know. And I don't think we're allowed to say Oriental. I don't think anymore. you're allowed to say Oriental market. You're better off sticking with the Asian market. Well, no one can see my <laughs> no one can see my air quotes, but hey, he put fucking Oriental market on the sign, so I'm gonna call he it what did. he's called. Yeah, it he says did. Oriental Market. It says Lily's Oriental yeah. Market. So I used to go to Lily's and just buy stuff even though I didn't know what the hell it was and just come home and try and cook it. And that's fifty percent chance you're going to succeed because chances are most of the time when you go to an Asian restaurant and you just order whatever, they probably just threw some shit on the menu. <laughs> And like, yeah, we, we bought There's I bought so raw times, pistachios though. in there once. Raw pistachios are delicious. Like in, in the like the fruit around them. Like oh. It was. I mean, oh, that's weird. Not, no, that's not, weird. I thought you meant was, just like no, not roasted. Not, yeah, no, they were very unique. I remember breaking up to Atlas and Todd and I were like, "What the fuck are these things? What do you do with that? Yeah, are you talking about with the like the actual fruit on yeah. top part? No, oh. no, I'm not talking cashews. Cashews. I'm sorry. That's Hold cashews. on. If anyone actually cared about the Asian markets, they're gonna be really upset. I forgot to tell you guys the rest of the story. Yeah. Bring it. Go but on. After Lily's, you drive about three miles. <laughs> okay. Trying to avoid accidents and stuff, probably. <laughs> you drive about three miles, and there are four more Asian supermarkets within a mile of each other, like sequentially. There's four more. There's like a Korean one and a Vietnamese one. One of them is a full-on shopping mall with like eight restaurants and all-you-can-eat hot pot place. You know? It's crazy. And this is all in like a 10-mile strip in Mesa. Yeah, sounds about you right. know, every city has a defined area that's either a Koreatown or Little Italy, and we don't necessarily have that here. Someone told me there used to be a Chinatown here. Sounds like which it sounds like it would have been that market that's right there on thirty the forty fourth and right before it, the freeway. They said it was pretty centrally located in Phoenix. So there was this Phoenix night market thing, I think last weekend. And it was this, you know, like Asian night market, street festival with music and stuff like that. But they said they were holding it at what used to be historic Phoenix Chinatown. Hmm. Uh, first of all, it's the first fucking time I've heard historic yeah. Phoenix Chinatown as a phrase because I don't know what that is. I don't know. What, I, I, I've been here my entire life. Did you know there was? A, I, I mean, I've lived here my whole life. Me. I've never heard of that. Yeah, I can't imagine there being in this city with how spread out it is. There's any historic anything like the only thing you get old wise is there's like Old Town Scottsdale, Old Town Gilbert. But in some people's mind, they think of like a Western style town, which in the case of Old Town kind of is a little bit a bit but there's no like chinese market korean market there's not even like you know like a mexican neighborhood kind of a thing guadalupe. and that's yeah guadalupe yeah from i mean Baseline like i know that i can go there to get some like you know some some hatch chilies and a good tortilla i'm sure but probably yeah anywhere was, down in this general area too there is a really good uh marisco's place down there too yeah, but this area, you're right. This area has great mariscos. Like, isn't Playa Hermosa down the road on 7th or something? I mean, uh, Taco Row. I mean, this whole neighborhood is very... McDowell is Taco Row. Taco yeah. Row. Yes, McDowell is Taco Row. Which Rowe. is ironic, because then, like, one of the best Thai places is right here. If you're and talking you about Glybon, I'll throw you into a wall. I was going to talk about Glybon. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. You think so? But to be it's fair good. on real Thai food, I'm a big Maley's fan. I, which I, isn't real Thai food either. I have yeah. to... Uh, Maley's? Maley's on Main. Maley's on Main. Old oh, Town. The lady actually there. lived in Thailand for like 10 years at least. Their food is really good, but it's not... See, I'm a Lotus of Siam person in Vegas, and to me, that's that place, my, that that's my benchmark. That really good. That's see, my benchmark there. when it comes to it. But also, not to mention Vegas, there is Koreatown in Vegas. There's that little Thai district in Vegas that's got like 30 Thai restaurants all up and down where uh, there's... What the hell's the name of the... 
the guy who was the wine buyer for for 10 years at Lotus of Siam opened up a street Thai food, Chada, and Chada Street. So Chada is... I'm opening up Google Maps now so I can save this. Yeah, but this... So Chada Street just closed, but it's in the same plaza. Literally, it's that whole plaza where Chada and Chada Street were. It's all crazy Thai restaurants in a row, and they're all open late. Like, when you go there, like, I'm one of the only white dudes in that place when I walk in, and the food is always amazing. Okay. All right. But And you think of Vegas, you think of these high-end, fancy food network chef restaurants. Uh-uh. There are some little districts across Vegas that are unbelievably good. And I'm, I will say this. I am a, a sucker for like Vegas fine dining. Easy sucker. But I'm mostly a sucker for anything Jose Andres does. So like I'll oh, go to Bazaar is unbelievable. I'll go to every Jose Andres restaurant. Yeah. And, and he's I, such a good dude. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's if, a place- if, if not for the the amazing fucking food, I'll do it just for the sake of supporting Batman. Because he's great. Supporting Batman? Before Supporting, supporting that Batman. man. Yes. Okay. He might as well be Batman. <laughs> yeah, he's, just a, he's just a chunky yeah. Spanish Batman. <laughs> With a Barcelona he, accent. He's just like, it's okay, I'm Batman. I'm going to call Commissioner God. The, the no, Chalupa I mean, Batman. And he, chalupa and, he, man. and he shows up and he saves the day. I think if you ever put Jose Andres in a Chalupa in the same sentence, he'd probably beat you himself. <laughs> he'd be like, a Chalupa? <laughs> so there's a, there's, a, there's, a, you? there's a restaurant in Vegas called, I think it's like the Secret Garden. It's a little oh. Chinese place. They do these fried basil leaves as an appetizer that are Unbelievable! I had fried basil leaves somewhere recently, and I can't remember where, but they were it really good. Blew me away. I mean, just the flavor was unreal. Weird things that have been on my palate. Uh, basil leaves, yes, I love basil, but then like squash blossoms, man. Zuka, yeah. holy crap. That is, I had that for the first time. I don't know how I missed this, but I had it for the first time when I was in Italy, and I had it again somewhere here, and I, my mind, I was, in, I was in Los Angeles. My mind was blown. I was just like, man, people need to do this more often. I've had them at a lot of restaurants. I mean, it's a big spring dish. Makes sense. You know, I remember doing a wine dinner with Bo McMillan, and he did a risotto with a stuffed squash blossom over the top of it, and they stuffed it with, like, ricotta cheese, and I think there was, like, oh, speck in it, and oh, so good. Mm-hmm. Pork, pork products. Mm. Speck. You know speck? I imagine eating with him, I've had speck. I'm not a food person. Like, I love to eat food, but I never remember what I ate every single time. What do you mean you're not a food person? You love Sbarro's. Sbarro's. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. You, you lost the ability to tell me anything about food the moment you said Sbarro's. Was... Two things. One, you don't hear me talking about food because I don't give a shit about food for the most part. I'm like, where are we going? I trust you to take me to someplace better because I've fine. never really like been like, oh, man, I can't wait to go have this dish from this restaurant or whatever. I'm like, listen, if it's great... I will happily try all the crazy stuff that I have. But for the most part, I, I just, I never grew up around holy shit food stuff. Like I never had a fan, dude, I'm English and Italian. So half my meals were garbage meals. Yeah, we're talking like boiled chicken with no seasoning and cabbage <laughs> and potatoes. And if you put butter on your potato, you suck, go sit in a corner. Like, and then I had Italian food that wasn't Italian food. I had Italian food that was like, we made pasta for 16 people, even though there's four of us with like crazy marinara sauce. And like that's it. That's like that's there's no. Yeah, I mean, this is New York Italian. We're not talking authentic like seafood Italian. Yeah, you're so, talking. You're talking buca de beppo. Buca, yeah, like and a higher <laughs> version, like not quite Olive Garden, not quite buca de beppo, but like homemade versions of that. So like I met Damien and other foodie people, and like, bro, you got to try like real freaking food, dude. In college, we lived off ramen. That was my experience of China food. Actually, yeah. I worked at P of Chang's for like eight months. That was my experience with China food. Chinese food, and then I actually went to China and went, oh, 
Yeah, this is just way better. Taking that hole deeper. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm not the food person of this group. No, I mean, I get that. That's totally fine. And plus, all you had to do is say you're half English, because I went to England and sat at, at, at like a proper pub. We make some fish and chips, and that's probably about it. It was mediocre at best. Yeah. I mean, like, you exactly. know, like it was better in Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> but I asked, I asked these guys, I was sitting there, and I'm like, hey, um, we're, we're going to get some good food, like good proper English food, because this is <laughs> the second time I've taken a trip to London. And he's like, oh, well, uh, there's some damn good, uh, some damn good Indian food down the road. Really, Indian food, <laughs> right? So how about some English food, like a meat pie? You really want to eat a meat pie? <laughs> I love your Irish accent in England. <laughs> Sorry, you know what we talked about? It. No, but it makes sense. We talked about, about Ireland right after, see? and I immediately went. I don't know why I became like a regal Liam, Neeson, it. Liam Neeson just it's now. It's okay. I had an Italian accent drifted <laughs> to Middle Eastern one I don't earlier. Know who you are, and I don't know where you're from. <laughs> your food is terrible, <laughs> but I have a special set of skills, and I'm going to come in there and use but your it's kitchen. Not cooking. <laughs> <laughs> but think about think about a country that invaded the world to get spices to their country because their food sucked so bad. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Well, this sums it up was there was a show, a cooking show on Netflix just recently called The Final Table, I think it's called. Yeah. And they had like 32 Michelin star award-winning chefs basically compete to be the final chef at the final table and cook. And they had, the judges were like, Grant Akez like, was the United States judge. It was the best chef from each and every country. And they had to, the, it was a two-part cooking competition for each country. So when you had to go and cook, say, uh, for American, they had to do a classic American dish that the judges picked. And then you got to do something separate for the final challenge. For the English challenge, their, uh, their dish that was their customary dish. or like Bangers the, and the, mash. The one dish that summed up all of England's cooking. Disappointment. Breakfast. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> eggs, sausage. Because, because you know what it is? It's never, no one even has to fucking say, would you like a full English breakfast? They just go, do you like a full English? And you're like, yeah, because that's all you got, guys. Well, that's if you, it. if you were to think of most countries, you could think of food of that some accent type. better, by the way? It's way better. Thank you. I like I it. it. But like they had, like, but you can't with English. You cannot, in England, actually think of like, oh, like you could think of fish and chips, and that is as basic as it gets. Meat and pie. that's it. Meat, meat pie. But is it is meat, meat pie. pie Irish, though? No, but it's an English thing. Meat pie is an English thing. Yeah. That's and then you've got like pasties, which are Cornish and not English, and the corn yeah. niche. They're Cornish cornies. People from Cornwall will get yeah. very mad if you just attribute it to all of England. Like, it's so bad that Wales doesn't even make food, and they're like, we're not going to try and even do anything because England's already fucked it up for everybody, therefore yeah. we're not doing anything. We actually just brought you these Welsh corgis. That's all we have. No food here, just dogs. Look they, how cute they are. They eat sheep's butt. <laughs> sheep's butt. Mm. But literally, when you think about different countries, everybody has like an iconic dish, kind of. Like, I remember for India, it was their butter chicken that they had butter to cook. Chicken's good. So they had... Wasn't like curry or anything like that? It was, I mean, butter chicken. Like, okay. That's their. Curry is really more of a, a seasoning, a spice, by the way. It's weird, okay. but it really is. So it's not and like a, it's not a dish. And a, yes, okay. yeah. well, it is a dish, but you're right. It's a seasoning. There's a lot of different versions it's, of it. It's really it, more of a seasoning because like, we look at in terms of Indian food. Like you'll get curries and Thai food, where it's just like <laughs> we got pumpkin curry and this curry and that curry. Or like in Indian food, it's like you can get kormas and you know, like uh, the, the the butter chicken is going to come in a sauce that has curry in it, but it's not a curry. Okay. It's weird. I figured, I learned this from an Indian person. Okay. Yeah. And either they were lying to me and talking out of their ass, or I sound incredibly intelligent on this podcast. The well, most... Don't tell anybody. <laughs> just keep sticking with the intelligence. Michelin star chefs, the most iconic British dish they had to cook was English breakfast. What? Eggs, sausage, be beans. Muffin? Had to be on it. Muffin, toast. I think I had to have some sort of muffin. An English muffin, mate. Yeah. But this, this was the most iconic dish made in England was some breakfast food. Yeah, the I beans, beans and toast. Beans on toast. Beans, beans yeah. on toast. That just sounds awful either way. 
<laughs> Someone asked Google what beans on toast. So, 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 sure all right, so, so, so we've officially talked about almost every other country now. So let's try some wines from three different countries, since I guess this so is three, supposed to be a wine three, podcast. Yeah. Well, hey guys, welcome <laughs> to the show. <laughs> and intro music. Da, 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 da. Hey, you said it would take about how, how far did we get? Are we about thirty, 30 minutes? minutes. Thirty minutes. Okay. Yeah. We said it would take about twenty thirty minutes before we introduced me. We almost never oh, yeah, introduced somebody for go. thirty minutes. Yeah. yeah so who, who are you? I. We saw you in the corner with a sign. It sounded great that you should be on. <laughs> I mean, I said I needed four bucks for a bottle of wine, and you guys were like, come on in, buddy. Come on in, buddy. Uh, my name is Yusuf. What's your last name? Hawash. Yes. Hawash. Hawash. Hawash, if you were to say it with an Arabic accent. Hawash. Yes. Hawash. No, there's no ch in there. There's it's no not like hummus. It's, uh, it's, but I'm going it's, to, because it's hummus. <laughs> do you see this color? I'm definitely butchering your name. You can learn it, man. <laughs> I could, but I'm not going <laughs> to. <laughs> you know, it's in there. It's somewhere it's in there. Yeah, I, I, my name is Yusuf Hawash. <laughs> Hawash. I am, uh, what, what, I mean, what do you, how would you describe me, Damien? The better question is, rather than me introducing myself as the guy who once upon a time did college radio and thought he was going to become a, a, a journalist and join Anderson Cooper in the ranks on CNN and now produces corporate events, meetings, trade shows, and is in the creative and marketing business, what do I do? So, so we met through the food and wine business. Exactly. So Which, we met through Gabe Bertaccini's dinners, or yep. was it one of his wine events or one of his dinners? It was, it was a dinner. It was the one you had, um, what's her name face, who has the really long Italian name. She was so cute. And she sat right next Daniela to Daniela Mastroberandino. Daniela Mastroberandino. And Ter- I have Teradora. her business. Oh, the Teradora girl. I have yes. her business card somewhere. She squeezed my cheeks when I, I, I said grazie to her and gave me her business card. And she goes, oh, please come visit, come visit. Stay, stay with me. And See, I was now like, you nailed the Italian accent. <laughs> I, I told Perfect. you, I was just thinking about Ireland. <laughs> and that's exactly how she sounds. But, you know, great people, when you're, when you're dining out together over a long period, like a three-hour dinner, and you're sitting next to people that have like interests, you just become friends. And two or three years can go by... And when you get together with that person again, it's as if five minutes didn't go by. Yeah. And that's basically you and mine. It, it, it happened to us. We, we had been trying to get together for a while, and I traveled so much for work, and it's just like, I'll see you soon, I'll see you soon, I'll see you soon. And finally, I just said, I'm home, I'm around, we'll meet up. And this was what? I mean, maybe a month ago at this point. So Barely. You were lucky enough to come to one of the greatest wine parties I've ever thrown when we did our 21 and over party, yep. where everybody was required to bring at least one bottle that was 21 years or older. Right, and don't tell anyone, but I was only 19, so he was indulging. I'm kidding. Well, it doesn't <laughs> matter now. Statue of limitations. That's that far older. Than this, was, this wasn't even, we figured it out. It wasn't even two and a half years ago. Yeah, it was, that's what it was about two and a half years really ago. Was it really only? It was two yeah. and a half years ago? It was crazy. No. Yeah. He thinks it was four, but it was like two and a half. I'm with you on the four. I checked the date on the counter. It was like January. I, don't think, I really don't. I think it's more like three and a half. I think it's more like three and a half, but I, it maybe you're right. It feels like it's been a long time. But once again, yeah. l- like people said to run in the same circles, and the funny thing is that he posted a picture after we got together a couple weeks ago, drank a bunch of beers on yeah, Facebook. car and, pictures. And there were people coming out of the woodwork going, I can't believe you know Yusuf. And then people were saying, I can't believe you, you know, know Damien. Damien. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> and we're just like, why can't you believe that a white guy and a brown guy can hang out in a BMW together? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> and it's not <laughs> stolen. <laughs> it's not, yeah, what's, what's your problem? Think about so, who is driving. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, I can't believe you guys are crossing cultural boundaries. You know? and it's it's just, getting a really bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> Stop me if you've heard this one. But a white guy and a brown guy at BMW outside of a beer shop. But, but your passion is beer, big well, time. I, you know what? My passion is making sure my palate is happy. And I think that's what I try to, to, to tell people. And people are like, is it beer? Is it cocktails? Is it wine? I, I give about as much of a fuck about wine as I do about beer. But it's harder for me to enjoy wine the way I enjoy beer. Because I don't think it's as easy to do it on your own or with just one or two other people. Whereas cocktails, 
and like especially the craft cocktail thing and craft beer are easier to do with how many bottle shops and tap rooms yeah. and things. And then you've got bottle shares and there's less of a barrier to entry. I love wine. And I mean, I, and I, I'm a champion of Arizona wine and, and have been forever, but it's just so hard to do that on your own without making like a really huge investment. I know you don't have to, and I get that. And I'm probably saying something that's like no. tried and true. Everyone says like, oh, it doesn't have to cost you a bunch of money. But Well, one thing we were talking about is the one thing about a bottle of wine, the difference between a beer, you can crack a can of beer and drink it yourself and nobody's going to judge on anything about right. that. And you can sit there and drink a can of this, drink a can of that and be happy. But if you're opening up a bottle of wine... And you drink a whole bottle of wine by yourself. People are like, dude, really? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Yeah. I did that at Cape Paul's once, by the way, in, in Louisiana. A buddy of mine said I had to go eat at Cape Paul's. And I walked in in like jeans, a t-shirt, and like a, a jacket on. <laughs> and the guy was like, oh, sorry, we, are, we don't have any places to sit at the moment at the bar. And I was like, great, give me a table. For one, sir, <laughs> you know. Would you like a magazine and, or something yeah, to read? Like, <laughs> so I sat down and they send this server over. This is probably my favorite stories. And the guy comes up. You could see them all kind of murmuring in the corner like, he's probably not going to order anything good. Don't worry about it. He's <laughs> <laughs> by himself. He's what is he doing? It's so like, weird. He's probably going to order a beer. So like I sat down and, and he goes, can I get you anything to drink? And I said, can I get a wine list? I'd like to start with the rabbit tenderloin and this, that. And like ordered like three things to eat just to start. And he brought me a wine list. I ordered a bottle of wine. Yeah, and he w- had the biggest smirk on his face. Did he? And he I was gonna say, away. did he write down, look up at you, then get back down to writing? And he walked away, and he looked at the guy at the bar, and he went. <laughs> <laughs> he does he's one of the head nods the and points up. the thumb back at me, and he looks at him. And the guy's looking at him like, "What?" And he's like, "This guy, this fucking." Guy. Then they, they both look at you at the same time, give you a subtle nod, like you. <laughs> you're yeah, gonna you, be fun. You. <laughs> that place was great. Well, think about it. Also, if you're at home and you open a good bottle of wine or something that's tight, you want to decant it. Well, once you pour a decanter, I mean, yeah, you could pour it back in the bottle, but now you have a whole bottle that's opening up right there. Whereas a beer, even if it's a bomber, you could drink a beer, you drink your two glasses, you're done for the night, you're fine. You open a bottle of wine, you're not necessarily going to dome a whole bottle. Yeah. And then at least if it's liquor, you could be like, okay, I can make myself a cocktail out of this Correct. or something. And, and it's good. But if you open up a nice bottle of wine, you're like, well, shit, I got to drink this whole thing or it's going to go bad. Or, which which I, comes back to what you said the other day where you said the, the, the special occasion wines where you're like, oh, I can't yeah. open this until, I, until a special occasion. A special occasion has to come along for this wine because you yeah. don't want to fucking open it and waste it, right? I have special occasion beers, and I finally uh, this year was the year where we've all been we've we've all been hashtagging the same thing on the internet. It's it's meant to be drink, right? People will buy a beer and be like, "It's been sitting on my shelf for six years." You're like, "Good for you, Steve. Drink the fucking beer." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? so true. Like, drink the beer. You know, but and that, that's the thing with one is it's a friend thing. Like friends is you want to you could have a beer and you brought like one early. Like guys, this would be really cool to try. Damien, you open up that orange one. Like, hey guys, we'll take this little sip and try this one. A wine one is like okay. This is what I would drink maybe by myself by the glass thing. The Venturi, or not the Venturi, the, uh, the Corvin changed that. But you've, I've got bottles of wine even in my fridge. I'm like, ooh, okay, I have a group of friends that would like this. I have another group of friends that would like this. And I have a group of friends that would like this style. So I'm not going to open those for years. And then I better hope that that group of friends is hanging out at the same time to open that. And you're like, bullshit. Yeah. So you only do that with wine. You don't really do it with liquor or beer. But plus, if you open a bottle and you don't finish it and say the next day you get busy, something happens, you don't have another glass the next day. And all of a sudden now you're at two days. The bottle's been over 48 hours. Now you're losing quality. The wine's going downhill and then you're wasting it. And I don't want to do that with a great bottle of wine. We have unfortunately yeah. hit that point with beer, by the way. It would, the problem is Modern Times now sells magnums of these barrel-aged stouts that have been aging for yeah. like years, right? So that I showed you pictures from that bottle share we had. Yeah. The fact that there were about 45 people there was a great opportunity to open something that most of them would drink. 
because it was a magnum. But when the fuck are you going to open a magnum of a 16% stout? <laughs> you know? What, what was the beer that we had from Bottle Logic? Well, you had the, Fundamental Theorem with me. Yes. Which the, was, which was I, I mean, four years of fundamental observation, barreled and then put into this bottle. And it was it's sitting at 20 plus percent That's stout. That's crazy. It tasted like an Amaro. It what l- it, literally was the viscosity of a port and tasted like an Amaro. So that's crazy because uh, Dermot's uh, from Firehall, he did his for 19 months in that barrel and he said it just kept fermenting and just kept fermenting and over 19 months later, what did, what did they end up getting on that one? Like 13% or something crazy? But it didn't have the weight necessarily of what this True, one it didn't had. True, but like it had that porty oxidized characteristic with the bourbon infused thing to it. I, it's kind of cool that you do get the experiments of like, all right, you have a really cool brewer who's like, all right, we're going to put this into this barrel for, I don't know, two years and then they'll just let it keep going. So the beer scene is becoming amazing. But I don't know how many bottles are out there that you would share with like four or five of your friends, kind of a thing. For, for beer? Yeah, I all mean of, to get oh. like to get like a big glass out of like wine wood. Like wine, you can open up a bottle and everybody gets a glass. Beer no, wise, that, and that's true. You I get mean, like, like a taste. You get kinda. like a twenty-two ounce bottle. You pull that out for four or five of your friends. But most of the time, those bottles are going to be either crazy stupid expensive yeah. or really high ABV, and so you want to share that, you know. But like the one you you have right now, you said that was like what like thirty four bucks, and it's is that your standard uh, what twelve ounce bottle? Or it's is a it twenty two. Twenty two. Okay, so it is a bomber. Yeah, it's a bomber. Versus yeah. a wine that's seven fifty. I mean, that's two glasses versus five, yeah. kind of. How many ounces are in a seven fifty? Why does beer twenty five? Why does beer use Sorry, uh, freedom yeah. numbers and everybody else uses global numbers? Because it's pompous. I don't know what you want me to tell you. I, I don't just, know. Little things like that just pop in my head. There, we have some. That's a good question. Actually. I'll tell you what's funny, actually. And you say that about beer, but uh, we used we have twenty two ounce bot- bottles for a lot of these beers, right? But when it comes to saisons and Belgians and sours, they often come in seven fifties or point fives. They'll like you'll well, see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll see those a lot. You see point fives. Yeah, yeah. it is crazy. interesting. It is weird. I know. I know. One thing is is working in the wine industry is. They were coming around to putting wine in cans, and one thing that they were not legally allowed to do, and I don't know if that's changed or whatever, but you cannot put a wine into a can that's 355 because it's only allowed for beer. Huh. So wine in cans are either bigger or smaller. Like you get the 187s or 283s or whatever it is, and then like liter ones. <clears throat> like I've seen a liter can, which I find insane. Like you're drinking a Foster's at that point, but <laughs> it's the oil wa- can. Yeah, it's the oil can. Foster's and you're like, okay, you know how stupid Another you look accent? with a <laughs> liter of wine in a can that you're holding on to? It's ridiculous. It's like you're holding a football. <laughs> it's weird. No, you're right. You're right. I've seen it. So let's okay, talk, let's talk some wine. Let's talk wine. <laughs> at some point, we probably wine, and at the end or of I'm this, or I'm just going to keep drinking these. At the, at the end of yeah. this, maybe what'll happen is since I just bought that bottle. But I don't want to open that bottle. I'll just drive you guys over to the tortoise because they have it on tap. Oh, we could probably and do that. Yeah, we'll do around do on me. Yeah, why not? All right, now let's talk about wine. So, Tell me what I'm drinking because I've just been drinking. So it's actually kind of fun. Well, this is the same varietal from three separate countries is what we chose. So we actually chose Malbec as a theme today, even though we probably should have just done beer with you. I mean, that was... No, we'll do, do it that. again with beer. I'm pretty sure we're going to end up doing this again. Yeah. But so our vision was to do Malbec because it is something that is very user-friendly. It's something that the general public drinks. It's something that the everyday person who maybe isn't a big wine geek, who isn't a big collector, drinks Malbec now. It went to some crazy popularity explosions in America, and especially the Argentinian ones. But we decided, all right, let's do a little test. So in front of us, we have brown-bagged three separate Malbecs from three separate countries. We have one from France. One from Argentina and one from the United States. What are you doing? You're trying to videotape me? Shut up, just talk. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I feel like I'm on the. I can. What's funny is I can always talk fine. How, and how, how is it that me taking a millennial age Snapchat distracted? Is you that from what that is? It was just fucking Snapchat, Damien. Well, well the, come on, Damien. I don't get even used have Snapchat. The, you know why? He's not a millennial. That's what it is. I'm not either. Am I? I don't know if I. Wait, am. how old are you? Eighty nine. Yeah, looks about right. You're old. Fuck. You look good for your age. <laughs> Damn! That was the it's year. All the, it's all the cross. The year I was born was '89. Oh, I want people to do math here, okay? So 29. All right. Just like the duck horn we had 30. the other night was '88. 30. I was just turned, all right because I was '86 and I'm 32. There you go. It's funny when it when it, when it comes to you know Sangiovese, you instantly think Italy. When it comes to drinking something like Tempranillo, you think Spain. Spain. You know Shiraz. You're instantly thinking Australia. You know, but when it comes to Malbec, you instantly think Argentina. Argentina. That's not where it came from. It's an old noble grape, and it's actually one of the few grapes that's allowed to be used in Bordeaux still to this day. If you buy a Bordeaux, you can actually, it's by law, it's got to be Cab Merlot, Cab Franc, Petit Verdot, or Malbec. And Malbec's probably the least used of all of them. That's what a lot of people and, don't realize. Carmen is in there, too, but nobody really ever, yeah. ever uses that. Yeah. How often do you see Malbec in Bordeaux? I don't honestly know, but at least in uh, in California, it's creeping up a little more you see it like at like five to ten percent for the most part and it's rare to get a full varietal by itself malbec out of like a napa valley and even sonoma for the most part and you know there's certain markets that are so hard to penetrate you know when i was gotten into the liquor business everybody tried to sell us vodkas you're like oh here's my new vodka here's my new craft vodka you're like man you can't jump into that market good luck competing with absolute belvedere kettle one no new tito's. vodka well tito's, tito's, the, the only one tito's was the one that finally penetrated it when it came to wines, it's really hard to introduce a brand new varietal to the American market. And often when it happens, they fuck it up really, really bad. Yeah, sure. Look at what Australia did with Shiraz's. Shiraz's became super popular in 05, 06, 07, 08, and then they shot themselves in the foot. They sent a lot of shitty Shiraz to America with a lot of critter labels, a lot of like a liger on the front and stuff. And <laughs> a liger, people, a liger. Yeah, he's, we called them the critter labels. <laughs> And Can I get a lager of wine? Juice box wines. And really... It a pint of lager? <laughs> a pint of lager. <laughs> it completely destroyed the, the, their reputation in America. Malbec, out of nowhere, just took off and became... It just exploded. And I don't know how and why. I mean, my guess was is obviously the price is just so fantastic. I mean, five, seven, ten bucks a bottle for really good wine is... Kind of unheard of for the most part. That's not bad. And you get a $10 Pinot Noir, it's going to probably suck. $10 bottle of Malbec's fantastic. And in California, you're not getting that price. You're going to spend 30 40 50 bucks on some Malbec's out there. It's probably what it is. It's just a good... It's weird that... And somebody gets to come out and say, I had Argentina Malbec. Being like millennial people are probably like, ooh, I tried something before you did to brag about right, it. And right. Malbec was the perfect hit. It was cheap, inexpensive. And honestly, I think a little bit has to do with it. When Bevmo did that five cent deal, that buy one, get one free, their Malbec selection was through the roof during that time. And I think that stuff. might help pushed. Do you, do you feel the same way about Grenache? I mean, I... Not to like take us off topic, but like that's one of my favorite grapes. And like... I, I love Grenaches, but I, I love Malbecs just as much, I think. And that's If you sit in a wine shop and have people coming in and just watch the customers roll in and ask for stuff, you will almost never hear somebody come in and say, where's your Grenaches? Do you have Grenache? Am I the only, fucking one? Am I the only one that's just like, damn, I need a good Grenache right now? No. Like, Honestly, a good you're, you're in a, like that 1% category because the other thing is, is people see Grenache and they're like, oh, well, Not what's same. that? And you're Not like, the it's same. the same grape, just it's a totally different country. Spanish yeah. product, yeah. Spanish yeah. name it's, of it. Which, which, by the way, I think the most expensive vineyard in the world is a Grenache grape in Spain. 
And, but nobody's going to know that I, there's almost none in America. And the little bit that there is, is getting blended into something. And some that's of the, in it's a GSM blend. Some of the best rosés in the world are made with Grenache. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You yes. know, all, Grenache your, is fantastic. Your, pro, your Provence I just don't know if rosés. It's I, was, I was fucking spoiled because when I was in college, I dated a girl who spent a year living in France and she came back with this like, oh, everything French is great, you know, <laughs> and, and, and listen, she's great. She's a basic girl. But like, I drank a stupid amount of rosé. Way more than I needed to. Really good. And then I found out you can get really good rosé for like under 10 bucks. Yeah. So out of this, there was uh, there was this one called Red Bicyclette. I don't know if you guys remember it, but there was little... Was it a little red bicycle? Little man on a red bicycle with a baguette hanging out of his out of his basket. And there was like a dog chasing him. That's the most French looking label I can think of. 100%. It was 100% the Frenchest thing ever. It's got a cigarette in his hand, but it's not even the cigarette. It's that long stick that holds the cigarette at the end. I said French, not Cruella de Vil. You rude man. It's the same people. Same people. That's what I picture when I think of it, though. When you go over to France and you're ordering the rosés out, they're in shorter glasses usually mm-hmm. but they're only a couple euros a glass and yep. when you sit at a cafe at on a tuesday afternoon at one in the afternoon every single table and every single person has a glass of wine everything has recently become more expensive that used to be cheap that's that's where you just led this that, that's what this led to in my mind because when i left the wandering tortoise frosé is eight dollars they put fucking rosé in a 7-eleven slurpee machine like cheap, probably two buck chuck rosé with a ton of sugar. It has to be to make it. Has to slushy. be to make it slushy, right? And yeah. and they're charging you eight bucks, and they're handing it to you in a champagne flute. It's a six ounce, a, maybe pour, maybe, 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 maybe. I think most flutes are f- six to the top. Huh. It, oh, I mean, they they pour it over to the top. It's still, flowing over though, with a straw in it. It's still like, more water trying to freeze it out. But than then it is think about else. this: like aperol spritzes, right? Why the hell are people paying twelve dollars in the U.S. for an aperol spritz when that's really like a four euro drink? At most, you it know should what? be like uh, seven at a place that's full of tourists. Well, I mean, my only thought that maybe why things are so expensive is because there's so much new stuff to drink in America. You know, between everybody doing small batch everything, the new beers coming out, all the wine industry blowing up. I mean, we are still recovering from prohibition from a long time ago. I know it's almost 100 years later, but all this new stuff is coming out. And while it's brand new, this new beer, these new... Um, these new like that that one you bought the uh, the stout that you have these really cool things they can afford to charge it up to 25 30 bucks because they know people will pay it but if you've done it for so long like Provence Rosé doesn't change it's Provence it's Rosé they've been doing it now for a thousand years so nobody's going to come along and be like that's a $50 they're like you're crazy this isn't new we know the best guys are making it at 15 everybody fuck off but in America it's like hey brand new site brand new winery brand new grape you've never had Grenache before I guarantee if Grenache in America were to take off you'd see 30 40 $50 bottles while the best ones are at 10 bucks I don't doubt because well, it's well, new well here- in America everything is always new which is why I think people can get away with charging ludicrous prices prohibition and taxes the fact that France and these other countries didn't really go through a prohibition. It's always been common to drink it over there, and they don't tax the shit out of it like they do in America. Here, everybody puts their hand in it. Everybody. Your county people, your local people, your state people, your federal people, they put their hand in it Everybody constantly. Everybody paid. And not only that, but also the restaurateur then has to pay for all their licenses and all their taxes on it. And by the time it goes through all that, the guy sitting in a French cafe is like, hey, I get the wine from this guy up the street. He comes in jugs and just brings it to me. Like, they yeah. don't, they're not so worried about it. Some of the best we're, wines I had were served to me out of a jug. But here in America, you have to pay for it through a distributor. You, hey, you're going to get find if you show up with a jug of it that you just made where in France you can get away with that <laughs> Yeah. so I would disagree a little bit only because on the taxes thing I don't think that's what's stopping it because you can still go get a Corona for 50 cents at some bars you can get 
That's a loss leader for them here. Yeah. It is. It really is. I think it's a loss leader for them here. I wouldn't doubt it. To do that. But like, think about all the drinks that you can get. The cheap, crappy, you know, like Evan Williams, $2 drinks and stuff. I don't think the taxes plays as much of a role to the consumer as we might think it does. Maybe yeah, for a winery and some other things. But for the most part, you can make so much bulk. They make so much bulk wine in, in other countries to sell to here for pennies on the dollar. There's no two-buck chuck in other countries. It's just better. I just think it's more, again, it's new. And then somebody comes along and says, well, I'm going to charge 50 bucks for this. And they sell it out. And then the guy next door goes, well, he's charged. I could charge 50. Like, that's my whole thing with Napa. Napa shouldn't be every bottle's two, three, four, five hundred dollars But they're seeing their neighbors doing it. So they took their $60 bottle and cranked it up to 150 And you yeah. see, it, they're not even in doing price increments by like a dollar. They go, oh, well, we were doing it for 30 Now we can do it for 40 Now we can do it for 45 Oh, we're still selling out. Now it's 55 And they just every year just keep pushing it and pushing it. And by the way, tax law this year for the first time got really laxed on the federal side. So people are saving way more money. I just, I, I just think that in America, because everybody wants the next newest, brightest, shiniest thing, the second you have that new shiny thing, whether it's a 12-month age stout bourbon thing or a collaboration with this guy. Oh, we only made two barrels of it. Oh, crap, two barrels. I'll spend $200 on that it's, thing, and it will. Yeah, I get that. Until it's solidified that, listen, everything's literally like all the land's taken. You can't do anymore. Like, I don't, can you even plant another vineyard in Italy at this point? It's all taken up, whether it's somewhere or another. And they know the prices and they won't change. There's still a lot of areas that aren't planted, but they also, in, in the popular regions, it's very concentrated. Um, what's actually pretty amazing is, as I was doing research on Malbecs before we did the show, looking at Argentinians, you know, Ar Argentina actually had a huge export business of nothing but shitty bulk wine to the UK for years and years and years and years. And as it became more and more popular, they started actually going elsewhere. But here's the thing about Argentina. They bring in no imports. My friend who owns a vineyard in Patagonia, every time he comes to America, he buys wines to bring down to Argentina because you cannot... They don't allow imports of wines. That's hmm. kind of not surprising. Wait, is it not? Is it, it they just don't import because they sell so much in-house? Or they, they don't do allow, not it. allow it. They do not really? allow it. That's crazy. Yep. So he is not allowed to... He cannot go to a store and buy Bordeaux. He can't go to a store and buy Burgundy in Argentina. He has to bring it with him. Argentina, Argentina consumes 95% of its own wine. Yeah. That's insane and awesome at the same time. You want to hear another crazy stat? Americans consume roughly 11 liters of wine a year. That's actually surprising. So that's about a little over a case. A case is nine yeah. liters. So yeah. that's not at this that's table. That's the average. That's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not we're, we're screwing that one up a little bit. Yeah, we're screwing that up in this episode. So, so you've got three Malbecs. I have three Malbecs. Three different countries. Three different countries. One of them is obviously America. Yes. Yep. I well, can honestly, drinking these, I can immediately tell which one is the American one. Was so, it the one that smelled like peanuts? Uh, I was going to say peanuts, peanuts, peanuts. <laughs> so, so going back to Argentina, just to finish this statement real quick, but yes, we, 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 we do, we consume roughly 11 liters of wine. Argentinians oh, consume up to 65 liters per person per capita consumption. 65. That's insane. That is <laughs> insane. 65 liters a person per person. That's per capita consumption. America, we're 11. What's the, what's the French consumption? What's the Italian consumption? Well, Italians probably screws all that up. <laughs> they they are roughly in the the forties and fifties. That's that's insane. There's a lot of wine drinking going on over there. So I, I, I do wonder though, like with things like that, 
is because, you know, you live in a place like Italy and you could take your, you know, five gallon gas can and go fill that up for five bucks that people are like, well, shit, it's so cheap and expensive. We could buy as much as we want. But in America, like you have to go, like Damien was saying, you know, to the store from the distributor and do all these things. And it kind of hampers what you're getting right. you know, for the most part, Italy's which at, maybe right, slows us down. Italy's right at 40. So, did you have the stats ready to go? I do. Oh, yeah. Da- Damien's a stat. Man. I always have stats. I like it. I, this makes me happy. This yeah. is, he's Every the, episode, we always have crazy he's, stats. He's we bust the kind out. He's the person I, I like having a conversation I'm a numbers with. guy. Yeah. Look at you. You checked off Slovenia. Yeah. Well, because some he's of those, gotta He's got to move his sort of people out of Some of, of those numbers you can't always go by, and we were laughing at this, because the number one consuming country of wine in the world is actually Vatican City, but they have a population of 850 people. Sure. Also, technically and also, Italian. And also, like, are they consuming it, or is it just the body of Christ? <laughs> I mean... That's a, we we joked mean, about that I earlier, mean, but yeah. Oh, yeah. But what else are you going to do, though, in the Vatican? But uh, drink. But dr- Yeah. You know, I, went to, I, went, to the, joke, I went to the Vatican and didn't get any alcohol. So I went to the Vatican and threw up all over the Vatican. <laughs> so I think I, I lose all of it. There's, I've got a great picture of it, too. My cousin took a picture right before I did it. I was so <laughs> fucking hungover. It was terrible. They're like, we're going to the Vatican. I'm like, this is a terrible idea. I'm not a religious person, and this is straight blasphemy. Like God's looking down like, you asshole. Or God was going, this your, your belly By couldn't way, handle real Italian food. By the way, it's one of the most beautiful cities. Like, honestly, the architecture and artwork of that city is amazing. It was, it was so good, I just vomited on it. I just, I walked in and went, oh God, this is great. <laughs> I mean, I had one of the best little lunches of my life right there in front of the Vatican. Some little cafe that my Italian friend that I met from America, who happens to be living there, and we had burrata. It was just almost like a tapa dinner. We just split like six what or you, seven little dishes. What do you think the Pope drinks? Do you think he drinks Malbec because he's Argentinian? I'm really, ma- I'm, I'm really mad at him right now because he just actually put out a thing where he wants more natural wines. And I'm uh, so sick of this freaking natural wine movement right now. It's such bullshit. Uh, come on, Pope. Get on board. Don't, don't, don't jump on the natural wine train. And but he, seriously, he, you think he's sitting up there going? He's like, Argentinian oh. too, isn't yeah, he? That's what I'm saying. I see oh, he's got, he probably drinks a lot of Malbec. That's what I was saying. Did you know that Malbec's not even called Malbec? That's not even the real name of it. What, what is it? Cot. C O T. Cot. Yeah, that, that's the traditional name I of it. I think I'm upset by that. Yeah. Cot. These Cot. Are, guys, I'm having a blast reading these stats. <laughs> I want to. I want to come back on this show again soon, and I just want to do a day of stupid stats. I think we should. Oh yeah, I, stupid like, stupid stats Saturday. We can well, do it. Well, here's here's something I've never done, and now I'm doing it. Is that I'm finding out how much wine is being consumed in like all of these Middle Eastern countries, and Lebanon has a large Catholic well, population. So like you know, there's and there's a lot of Orthodox Christians there and stuff. They are drinking like upwards of almost four. Well, one of the best wineries in the world is from <laughs> That's Lebanon. Crazy. He's blown away by these numbers. This is, this yeah, is... well, no, I mean, it's insane because then you flip it and you're like Morocco. Well, okay, here's great. a crazy stat for one. you. And look this up. I'm going to tell you this now. So the number one grape growing region in the world is China. Like China makes the most grapes in the world. And I guarantee they drink probably some of the least amount of wine on there. But they're now, trying so hard to make a it? wine region in there. Tell me this doesn't oh. surprise anybody. Okay, wait, wait. First of all. Your what you're, what you're looking at is the per capita consumption. Yeah. When you're looking at overall liters, China is number seven in the world in overall wine consumption based on liters. Interesting. Okay. In Italy, France, United States, Spain, Australia, Argentina, and China. All those make sense to me. Australia does too, though, only because I guess per capita they don't have a lot of people out there. Who, who measured this? And only because at the bottom of this list, I like I told you guys earlier, I'm my family's from Libya, right? Yeah. So 2008. The per capita liters was 0.01 in Libya. Okay. In 2010, 
it became point zero two. Now I want you to know that what happened around that time I was going to say a revolution. A little bit of wars there was a going revolution. on. Okay. Yeah. And then immediately afterwards in 2011, and it says this was a hundred percent change. Nobody drank any wine. <laughs> Bullshit. But but wait 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 wait. During that time, do you think there's anybody going down to Libya to it, do none of it was being brought in? Check? How much? How, how many? How many shipments were coming you, into you know the country what, at right, that point? The finer hotels that were there, like the Rixos and things like that, ended uh-uh. up becoming like warlords hanging out, and like the, what was left of a, a semi-established government was using it as an office. And so, I'll, yeah. and I'll be honest, what skews that also is that there's a tourism kind of thing because that is the amount of wine consumed in that country. So when it says per capita, if there's tourists coming in and consuming it, those numbers are going to be skewed by the people visiting. And if nobody's visiting that country, those might be some of the people that were. Uh, Actually drinking it. You're right. Yeah. I guarantee if Syria was on there at some point in time, Syria takes Syria a huge drop. It's on there. And it's going to take a huge drop yeah. during what, like some other years later? I don't know. Cause, well, this only goes to 2011, surprisingly. Okay. Yeah, I have, I have different numbers for different... I have all sorts of printed stats. Because yeah, Syri- I look at this kind of stuff. It actually really amazes me. Syria's right there. 0.01 hasn't changed at all. It's crazy. Yeah. Back to Malbec. <laughs> yeah, back to my back. Here's another little fun story about Argentina. You know, there's more vines growing in Mendoza in Argentina than all of Australia and New Zealand combined. Mendoza? 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 I yeah. Don't, I don't think they do that there. there is, Probably not. Yeah, it's just Spain. <laughs> there is more. Barcelona? Yeah. Barcelona. You know where that comes from? The it's, king. Yeah. yeah. Having a lisp. I wonder really? how true that is. Is yeah. that true? It is I don't true. know if that is. I've yes. heard. I've heard. That's how I always. It was a. Mar- it was, Spanish a, it like was the, a mark of nobility. So the cat was like. Was it like the Catalonians were just like everyone? Don't make fun of the king. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's supposedly what yes. I was taught. Was always the, don't make fun of the gracias. king. And <laughs> everybody's know? going like, "Did they? Did they Barcelona in Ibiza?" Because he can't. He did a lisp. And yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. There's yes. probably a Spanish person out there like these. Motherfuckers. I from the Spanish people I had talked to about it. Yes, that is true. And that's why it's only in the certain region. It's it's more that the Catalonian region. But is that true? Like Washington chopped down the cherry tree true? Because that's not true. That's just more of like one of those things where they did it to say and make him look better than he was. But it's not really true. Like is that this? I, I wonder. I like how true it is. I think that the Washington chopping down a cherry tree thing is fake, right? So like it. Uh, from what I've been told, it's not a real thing. They just kind of did it to be... He's so honest. He told and did it to make him look better need, than he was. I need a notepad next time we do this yeah, so that I can bring back great information. See? Yeah, no, that's why him and I both have notepads in front of us and we actually ask... Thanks tr- for providing yeah. your guest. Yeah, you gave me a glass of water. <laughs> None of you have a glass of water as if I needed it. We were just trying to get you drunk to see what comes out of your mouth. You didn't have to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I don't think we had to do that. You did not have to I didn't do realize that in five minutes in, you took over the podcast. I'm like, I'm just going to sit back. I'm never coming back. Awesome. I'm, ne- I'm never coming back again, am I? <laughs> All right, fine. No water, notepad next time. I'm we'll never remember. coming back again, am so, I? So, I'm sorry, guys. So really, <laughs> but, but have you ever actually blind tasted wines in your life? Have you ever sat down and done something like this? Once. And it was so mediocre, I don't think I could treat it that way. I, I've been, you know, given like the flights and, and talked at for a while, and that's as good as it got. And I, I think once Sam Pillsbury poured me like two different um, versions of his own wine and like put them side by side and asked me if I knew which one he I thought was what, you know? So One of the reasons I love doing blind tastings because it breaks down the, the perception of wine going in. And I always bring up Chardonnay because I don't like Chardonnay typically. I love Burgundy. Like real Burgundy, um, unbelievable. But American Chardonnay isn't my style. If somebody came up and said, hey, Damon, try this California Chardonnay. Instantly, my brain goes, I'm not going to like that. No matter how good it is, I'm instantly going to think it's American Chardonnay. Whereas if someone goes, if it's blind and they hand me just a glass, they try this. And I'm like, hmm, that smells like Burgundy. That's the, that's this, this, and this. And he goes, actually, it's made by Gergich Hills. It blows me out of the water. Yeah, you get the rare people who 
it's like I said, doing this flight right now, you know, like I could tell immediately which one is the American. And if it's not, I'll be blown away because I, I, I want to know if we're on the same page. Yeah. So Are I we? think I think a very specific first one might be an American one. Really? Yeah. I mean, if I was taking guesses, I'll, I'll if we want to do this now, like I'll take a guess at it before we get down to it. Going through, because we did three of them, uh, we did one from Washington, one from actual Cahors, and then the other one you got from, uh, where'd you get it at, Damon? Because I know it's Argentina, but... So the three of them are, yes, there's a domestic, and where's the domestic one from? Washington, Walla Walla. Oh, sweet. So Cahor is actually the region in France where the real, where Malbec comes from. It has grown sporadically through parts of Bordeaux, but really, if you're talking about, if you see a label of French wine and it says Cahors on the label, it's Malbec. It doesn't have to be 100%. It could be a blend. And this actually does have a little percentage of some other stuff in it as well. The other one I went with was Argentina. And I really, for me, I'm going to go on a rant for a second because Argentinian Malbec is all over the board. You don't know what the hell you're going to get. And I think this is where they're actually going to hurt themselves in the market in the long run. Because a person who goes to the store and buys that $10 Malbec goes, mmm, this is delicious. It's big. It's juicy. It's round. And then they go buy another one the next day from Mendoza, but it's light. It's flimsy. It's fruity. Then they buy another one, and it's corked because they have a bad problem with corked wines down there, too, and wines just are flawed. Then you buy another one, and here's another big oak tannin and there's really no way to judge it. They're actually starting to figure out lineations in Argentina. And so Argentina has actually put in the Italian DOC program. There's actually DOCs. You know what Italian DOCs, the bands that go around the top of it? Yeah, I've seen them. Argentina has actually started doing that. So they actually have a DOC program. So there's actually a DOC in Mendoza for Malbec. It's in the Luján de Coyo, and it's the highest, one of the highest altitude peaks in Mendoza. Typically... The farther up the mountain you go, the more complex the wines you're going to get. And then it hits a point where they're just not good at all. And Argentina discovered this. They uprooted about a third of their vines in the 2000s, got rid of all the high, super high altitude stuff. And they've been planting a little more sporadically. They've been doing more canopy management. They've been doing more stuff with irrigation to make the quality go up. But there's some producers that are in this Luján de Cuyo region that are producing world-class some Malbec. Of the best. Absolutely. Hands down. However, when you just put Mendoza on the label, you don't have a clue what you're getting. It's, it's, it's kind of like saying Sonoma. No, it's like saying California. Yeah, California. Really, it almost is. It's just like saying, I just had a cab from California. Okay, where? Yeah. Temecula from, I mean, because it's just the qualities all over the board. You have no idea what you're getting, you know? So I decided to choose a higher quality one because I knew that we were going to be putting up against a French one. So I actually grabbed the Lujan de Coyo DOC Malbec. So I, I wanted to go through these now because I'm going to rag on one of them for a little bit. And then and I don't want to know which one it is yet so that when it does come to a time, I'd be like, well, if it was the most expensive one, it still was terrible kind of a thing. Like, I got to be honest. But so like the first one that I'm right, drinking. Let's, let's talk about one. Our number one. To me, this is straight oak. And it comes off like a little higher in alcohol. This is the one that I think might be American. Ameri- I, it's got a lot of American oak a lot on of it. A, a lot of oak on D- this one. D- Do you know which is which? Dill. No, I forgot. So, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, uh, so uh, it goes one, two, three. And the way you poured it, you're, you're, yeah, you're drinking the first one. Right. So, so, yeah, I had the same thing. I had dill. Uh, I actually had cinnamon and clove and baking spices, a lot which of reminds clove. me of like some like French oak on it. But the quality of the wine's not too bad. Like, I still get some fruit out of it. The tannin is really high, though, which is kind of surprising. That was the first thing I noticed. Yeah. it's Of all these ones, this one has the most amount of tannin. So it has some grip to it. 
so to me, this is like a little bit higher quality. I think the oak is over dominating. This might be one to let sit for a little bit of time. I then moved over to two, and the two, I'm pretty convinced, is French. You can look at it. It actually looks lighter. It smells earthy. There's some, like, flower characteristics in it. It clearly comes from a little, like, cooler climate. Um, I thought number two was the French one, and the tannins kind of come down. The third one is the one I'm having the biggest problem with. It has this paint, waxy characteristic to it that I can't get past, which to me tells me that it's not that they're using oak barrels. They're using, like, staves or chips or something because that's kind of where you get those flavors out of and the tannin is real low like i'm not really tasting the wine as much more than i am the stuff that they may have added to it so yusuf when you get the wine in your mouth keep it in there for two or three seconds swish it around up down left right give it a little chew make sure it hits all parts of your mouth before you swallow it then once you swallow it give it a little exhale and kind of you're going to get this rush of flavors you're going to get this rush of tannins you're going to get a lot more of the complexity out of it versus just drinking it because when you just drink a wine, it touches roughly 20% of your mouth. Right. And you really, it's all in your nose. Tasting the most Everything's in your, yeah. I mean, most, most eating and drinking is in your nose. Your, your tongue tastes four and a half, maybe five things. Bittersweet, salt, sour, and umami. You know, people debate umami still as, a, as an actual taste bud. Versus your nose is over a thousand things. You can, you can smell over 10,000. You can identify over a thousand. That's why when you're sick and you're stuffed up, you can't taste anything. Everything sucks. That's why everything. You just need salt or yep. spice. That's it. Or for me, salt and spice. So, so, so I don't disagree with what he said about number one. Number one is, and what's funny is I did not, we talked about this yesterday. He, the moment you both said dill, I was fucked. Yep. That's all you it's, smell now. It's all I smell and I can taste it because like I, I like dill, but I, I don't want it in my wine. So <laughs> you know, do you know what dill means? American oak barrels. That is the defining characteristic in knowing your wine was aged in an American oak barrel with an American oak stave or some sort of... It, it, French oak barrels do not take on a dill characteristic, and that's hands down the most defi defining characteristic. So professional tasters, that's the thing I look for when I'm trying to figure out what type of oak it is. I smell that dill. As soon as I smell the dill, that's American oak. And that's something that people are like, man, how do you get so good at tasting wine? You drink with other professionals, other people, and then you start to pick up on it. If you sat here with me for the next week and we picked out wines and picked out all the dill, two years from now, you're going to be like, that's American oak. Yeah. People are going to look at you like, how the fuck do I'm gonna you make, know that? I'm going to make you guys figure out what barrel that beer was aged in later. Right? I'm excited about this. <laughs> I see like the light bulb just went off above his head. Oh, yeah. You know what, though? My thing about that is, is I don't think you'd be able to get the oak that you do in wine because most beer, like uh, if, the, if the beer you have is coming out of a bourbon barrel, that bourbon already stripped that oak of oh, yeah. like a dill character. So now you're getting the bourbon flavor and but stuff. But then you have to guess was what bourbon it was. Well, if it was, ooh, I see, that would be fun. That's And we see, do who, that. Which, we, which we do bourbon that. it was. We do that, by the way. That's cool. Of, that that would be really yes, cool. We do that. Which bourbon it was and then you figure out what, what it is from there. But. Do you think you could do it if it was a bourbon versus a whiskey versus, yep. well, I think a scotch you that, could probably get. That I can do all day long. Yeah, that's cool. I, I, want, bourbon, I want to do that with you next bourbon, time. Bourbon, rye, whiskey barrels. Yeah, I would love to get blind tasted stout beers, whether it was bourbon, whiskey, wine, whatever. So, some defining notes to kind of pick up in wines. First of all, when it comes to Malbec, as a general rule, the the five or six notes like we, I drink a lot of Nebbiolo. So him and I are always talking about tea leaf, tar, rose petals, certain things that every Nebbiolo gives off. The characteristics that Malbec give off are going to be. Uh, it's got a lot of cocoa, typically. You almost always get like a chocolate, cocoa, mm -hmm. mocha characteristic. You'll get in like a pipe tobacco, sweet tobacco, not tobacco like you're going to get out of um, a cigarette, but more if you go into like a pipe shop. Yeah. 
You'll get some vanilla. The fruit characteristics will often be dark fruits, stewed fruits, plums, and blackberries. Things along those characteristics. Those are what you typically get out of Malbec. And then, of course, it changes depending on regions. You know, if you're looking at like something like Cahors, it's going to be more boysenberry, more dried leaves, cocoa powder. The ones from Mendoza are going to have more prunes, some red pepper, boysenberries, red plums. And then really the reserve ones are the ones we're going to get the sweet and tobacco characteristics up, up the mountain. Um, but these are generalizations. There's, these are by no means a hard set rule. Kind of he, fun when he's, you, he gets so fucking uncomfortable when you take. Why don't you start taking? Yeah, it's take weird. a photo of the scene. Yeah. Are you sure you want to do this on video? Do, do you, do you, well, the, the video just rolling. I don't care about. The other thing that actually <laughs> freaks me out is if I'm by myself. So it's happened where he's actually gotten up or something like and left to the restroom, and I'm like sitting there talking about myself, and I'm just blah, blah, blah. I can't do it. I don't. I respect people that are solo podcasters. Or sports casters that just do shows by themselves. I couldn't sit there and ramble on for an hour by I myself. I could 100% rant for an hour. There by is myself. no way. You, you, you and Alec Jones. Alex Jones. I would. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm a little bit retarded. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Jones, man. <laughs> that dude. I would love to have Alex Jones come on Apocalypse and be like, this wine ain't gonna be made out of something like here. It's made this for is, interdimensional this is something aliens. that'll last during the apocalypse. <laughs> They're just trying, the government's trying to give you some wine so that you get a little bit special and all of a sudden they're the gay frogs coming out. <laughs> I think that's more accurate. I don't know why my Alex Jones impression was the macho man. Listen, your Alex, Alex Jones <laughs> has got to come from your throat and a lot of hatred. <laughs> and, and a lot of hate. And for some reason, one of the veins and your skull has to pop out. It's got to pop out. Uh, yeah, you got to say things that make no sense. Damien, I, I am. You've you've made me want to like just commit to saying that he's wrong <laughs> about which one's American. I like him. I like. I only want to. I only want to because this to is be the, the only way I can earn street cred is by like fucking full on wine Mortal Kombat right all now. All I said was <laughs> I like Sabaros, and all of a sudden I'm going to bring you down. I think. I think number two is the American one. Number three has a lot of grip to me. Like when you like swish it all around, it's See, so strong in the tan. I don't think so, man. But like really? Was, I don't think so. And what was throwing me off about number three? It smells like band aids. Yeah, that's that plastic waxy I get, thing. I, I was taking. I got like a weird like. I for me, plastic. I actually smelled. You know when you open like a like a bag of cotton balls? That's what I smelled. Mm-hmm. But no. I, I would imagine that I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because I just opened no, but, a bag of cotton balls thing, yesterday. I was gonna say you're not wrong. Like it's just I've never opened a bag of cotton balls. Well, these are both items that are in a first aid kit because I said band aids. Okay. So obviously it's first aid antiseptic kind of characteristics. Yeah. There's I mean, something that's jogging our memories from nit- that. Nitrile gloves, you know that kind of thing. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, things like that. Like if you rip a latex bag open, I don't remember what wine we had one of our first episodes, but I was like, it smells like latex, and he's like, what? And I was like, well, latex, like when you pull the box, but I been around it a lot for the gloves for the kitchen at the winery. We should so. just start describing things like, this smells like sex. <laughs> Dude, if you have a wine that smells like that, that's a funky wine. There's beers that smell like oh, that. Yeah, Belgian Sours, man. Belgian, yeah. Th- Belgian Sours. That was the one I had the other night. I, I was literally I looking once, at him, I was like, I dude, how weird is this beer? I once described Arizona Wilderness as Berliner Weiss as, as um, dirty gym socks, uh, a pee-filled baby diaper. We and, had <laughs> and, and like a little bit of orange zest and it was just like or lemon zest and everyone's like, Why the fuck would you drink that? I'm like, it's probably one of the best Berliner vices I've ever had. Dude, I, I constantly <laughs> every time I open up a Nebbiolo, I'm like or excuse me, Brunello, I'm like, Well, it smells like a horse ran by and farted in my face. Oh, this is gonna be taste delicious and it always does. <laughs> so, <laughs> Mamma so, Mamma Mia. It smells like my mom I farted in the kitchen. We we can actually give a shout out to our friend Sarah who doesn't listen to the show, but I was gonna she, mention Sarah. She is the one that I think inspired us almost in a way to start this show because we would sit around on Thursday nights drinking wine every Thursday. Myself, John, Lauren, Sherylann, Matt, all we had a big group of us and we would throw the f- funkiest 
flavor profiles at each other all the time. We would crack each other up, and we always said, man, we just need to talk about wine in such a matter-of-fact way. Don't bring up cassis and sandal or these stuck-up terms that nobody knows what the fuck they are. Yeah. And our friends, and we handed the glass to our friend Sarah, and what did she say? It was smells like she a... She smells like it smelled like a hobo just peed on wet cement. And, and all of us three went, people that just is, went, That is oh my so God. fucking good, though. But, it's, dude, she nailed Like, it really is. It's that weird funk of water on cement with the hint of pee. And and three people all at the same time went, Jesus fucking Christ, it does smell like that. <laughs> wow. And, and that was kind of the thing where, like, we need to actually start recording some of the shit we say when we're drinking wine. Just you to, and I had a Chianti one time. We both looked at each other. I was like, it smells like the pizza that fell on the couch and you stuffed it back in the microwave, cooked it to a point of burnt. It was like, yeah, it smells like basically pizza burnt, burnt pizza couch. But these <laughs> burnt these, couch pizza. These burnt, are the things. Burnt couch pizza. <laughs> and it was, we weren't wrong. These are the things like we know. These are the things we remember. These are parts of our childhood. I often say, oh, this smells like a G.I. Joe action figure or this smells like yeah. a bazooka bubble gum. It smells like your grandma's house, the one that keeps all the plastic and the cats and she sprays stuff in in the air to mitigate that funky smell but in the end you're like that's a very specific smell uh, b- banana runs i get a lot in wines it's that very yeah. fake Mine's banana lotion smell. though but yeah but you get banana, banana runs. you're thinking like staring up jimmy buffett's margaritaville in vegas <laughs> yeah you know what i'm talking about the margaritaville the Tommy, Tommy in bahama vegas. cologne otherwise known as probably you, you walk right into that margaritaville casino at the flamingo in vegas and they they pump that Pump the oxygen. That, no, it's that SPF. <laughs> it's that, that it's that uh, the tanning lotion. Ta- it's that yeah. coconutty tanning lotion shit. And for some reason, I don't know why, but if I'm stuck in Vegas for work, I feel like that's the only breath of fresh air I can get is the fake scent of tanning lotion while people wear floral shirts and deal me blackjack cards. Yeah. Yeah. It's the the Tahami Bahama air. Tahami Bahama. Tahami. Tahami. Tahami Bahama. Tahami. <laughs> so actually, to be honest, going back to these real quick, it was actually really fun to actually try the three from three different countries, the same varietal, just because you could see how it was manipulated differently, yeah. changed different. Um, and as a price point, I think that these wines were all between 20 and $35 a bottle. Yeah. Which honestly, we, we went above the average. We wanted to have something of a, a bit of quality to actually showcase. I didn't want to necessarily bring in the the Gascon for ten bucks. You took the word out of my mouth when I was gonna say Gascon. Yeah. Also, there's a, there's there's listen. There's a lot of great Malbec at ten bucks for people who are trying to drink it. And honestly, it's fantastic. But if you want to get in the complexities of Malbec, you got to spend a little extra money because honestly, I've had. And this is this is a Napa based experience of Malbec. I've had some single vineyard Malbecs by themselves that is big as tannic and as flavorful as some Napa cabs. Now the flavor falls off on the end. Malbec to me doesn't have a finish, but everything else is there. It's a thick skin grape, and so like I make two Malbecs a year: one from uh, Heldsburg, um, and then we get some juice from Argentina to compare, kind of. And in the end. You know, you could put it through a huge barrel manipulation. You can blend it, but it's a big fruity wine with a decent amount of tannin. If you extract that grape, it's a big, thick skin grape, and it takes a long time for that grape to ripen. It'll uh, ripen after Cabernet Sauvignon will some cases. So I think the reason why Malbec became so popular in the United States were from something you just touched on. You just said it was that the finish is never long on Malbec. Yeah, it's not this long, drawn out finish, this aggressive finish. Malbecs are known for being. Bam, done. Yeah. It, it really, that's the way they are. And they don't draw out. Whereas something like Cabernet Sauvignon, maybe Sangiovese, it lingers. That acid really lingers. Yeah, it stakes around for a while, you know? And they're super affordable. And they're easy to pronounce. Yeah. To me, people order wines. When someone goes out to a restaurant and they want to order something, they don't want to sound dumb. And when they look at the list and it's some weird ass varietal that they have no idea how to say when it's 
you know, Falangina the Avellino when it's Cahors even. Yeah. Oh, the court because they actually call it what AOC Oxio. I can gonna butcher uh, that. Ashwa. Yeah. But then you could just I'll just take the Malbec. Cool. I would say. By the, the way, everybody at that table also knows a Malbec. If you go to a restaurant, and go yeah, let me get the El Hermitage or whatever. They're like, what are you getting? But if you go, oh, I'll just take the Malbec. Cool. Yeah. Everybody's gonna I, like I that the, Malbec. I, I want to say Cologne, you know, Crow's Hermitage. But people don't know how to yeah. pronounce it. So what's the easiest thing to pronounce? Merlot. That's the reason why for years Merlot was the most popular wine in America because it's the easiest one to say. Grandma can say Merlot. Grandma can't say Pinot Noir. I fucking love a good Merlot. So I do. Too. <laughs> Merlot is fantastic. <laughs> it's making a huge comeback. I too. love a Merlot and a Peanut No Ear. I oh, mean, love I am all fantastic. about Merlots, especially. I mean, because some of the Merlot that comes out of, coming out of Napa right now is world class. Well, I that's mean, kind of the best thing you, about a sideways and B just you know everybody going crazy on cab is all the bad Merlot went away and all the really good Merlot producers just stuck around because they know they were good. And they're like, well, we'll Dude. keep making it. And they didn't change the price by much. So it was like, Dude. well, we had a $20 bottle. Now we have a $25 Lump Jack Merlot, Hourglass Merlot. Like, Hourglass. Oh my Dude, God. Robert uh, Foley Merlot. Minor up on stage. Coach. Oh my God. They're so freaking good. Which I mean, is good, brother, because Malbec is basically the step brother. It's from the same family. So Malbec on a lineage based thing is a brother or sister of Merlot. They come from the same family. So, right. you know, as you break all those things down. Oh, you're you want to you unveil one? All right. Which one are you doing? Which one? Which oh. one? I want it uh, real quick. Can I, can I make it? Yeah, jump in. Let's talk. Com- you guys can completely smash this idea. Yeah, let's do but this. I want everyone to pick a favorite. And I, I want and I want everyone to guess but, a country. Okay, so so ba- based on <laughs> my style of wine and the balance of the wine, I think two is my favorite overall. And I'm saying this because one, I'm not a big fan of American oak, and the American oak throws me off a little bit. Number one, number three, to me, I'd say it's the band aid throws me off a little bit, and the aggressive tannins throw me off. They're n- none of these are bad wines, and to be honest, if we were sitting around eating. Argentinian steak. This is great. This, this is all good ch- steak. This wines. with chimmy. Oh, yeah. This with some chimichurri. Okay. Like wow. Why didn't you make some chimichurros for her, buddy? This the chimichurros I can get you right now. Go to Filiberto's <laughs> to get you a chimichurro. That's not. That's not an issue. I like it. They'll call you out so quick. <laughs> She'll get on there. Chimichurros. No, I uh, I like number one the most because I prefer oak flavoring in a way. This one, I think, is a right balance of oak. This clearly is meant to age for a while and let the oak kind of like integrate itself in there. Um, I'm not a huge American oak fan. I don't mind the dill as much, but it definitely kind of falls back. Number two is definitely the easiest drinker. That one, to me, is somebody who's been doing Malbec for a long time. And number three is we're making Malbec for the American palate, but it's not hitting what I think they were trying to do. And uh, I just I don't I don't like three unfortunately I I'm, I just there's I'm not, that waxy there's there's a fake thing in number three that I'm not a fan no, of number two was my favorite so like, but I'm I'm with you on three and and you guys as soon as you mentioned a band aid and I was sitting here trying to figure out why I was thinking of cotton balls and it was because yeah, I opened a bag of them a, a medicine thing but like, it was like I, I was like I don't know why I don't like three like and three felt forced to me like it almost felt like it was like. Hey, you have to like this because we tried really hard to make it what yeah, you're supposed to I'm, be buying. I'm with you on that one. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it felt like to me. It's it felt like forced. It's missing a mid palate. Like, it's when you taste it. So, a, it's just front. It's so, just for me, like, boom. A, a wine needs to have a beginning, it falls off two seconds a middle, and a it. finish. It has to have all three parts. A flawless wine, you get flavor up front. That mid palate is something that's just intriguing, but then the, it's all about the finish. Yep. You know, and this is really missing all mid palate. It has fruit up front, and then it finishes, and it's gone. It's done. There's nothing in the. There's no excitement. 
See, number two to me, I think is probably of all these, the most food friendly. Two would be the one you'd have with dinner. I could crush two all day long. Yeah, two, two, two made me hungry. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Two is two is you drink it and then you drink it while you're eating and then you end on three because you're done with the meal and it kind of finished off in a way. Like three would over dominate, or I'm sorry, number one. The number one with all that oak would dominate anything that you had. If you're having a steak, you're going to taste the wine before you have a steak. Number two is like we're going to compliment whatever you're eating. Yeah. Which again, helps me kind of think that it might be French. All right, you so, ready? So uh, it's, how about I unveil so, three so first? Your, so your favorite was... Real quick, what do you I, think number one is? Two Two is my favorite. Um, okay. what do you I, think it is? I, I'm going to say, from personally, the American oak on this makes me believe that this would be the American wine. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Just and had Ameri- I not known American that dill was a clear indicator of, of, of American oak, I would never have guessed it. So now, you guys have taught me but, something today. But also, that might mean that the quality is trying to be harder because they used an actual barrel. The only way you get that flavor out is if you're using a real okay. actual yes. oak barrel versus like chips or staves or now, even powder. Now, the, the countries that use American oak are going to be New World-styled countries and Spain. And Spain, Spain sure. loves American oak. Okay. So you get it a lot in Rioja. You get it a lot in Ribera del Duero. You get it a lot in Priorat. And you, Very think, you think one is an American wine? I think number one is the Washington one. And I think two is. Okay. That's my that's my that's my uneducated. No. So you think number yes. one is American, Damien? I think yes. And we number un- two, I think is French. What do you think it I is? I know it I'm Oh, you already know. I'm okay, pretty so sure. you think it's French. I think number three is Argentina. So open up number Oddly enough, I, I would have thought number two would have been like if if I had to guess outside of the American realm, my second guess would have been that this would have been the Argentinian one. Okay. So, so are you unveiling one or three? Here's three. Okay, so what's three? I'm going Argentina. France. Holy crap, number three is the French one? Which completely shocks me. That shocks the hell out of me, too. So this is a Grand Vin. This is actually a high level of quality of the cohort, and it actually has 15% Malbec, or sorry, 15% Merlot blended into it as well. Because you can put, what, Tanat and Merlot you can, into yes. those? Those okay. are the two other varietals allowed. This completely shocked me. I this, this, to me, was not what I was expecting out of a cohort. I was expecting something a little more lean. And I remember we were talking about the difference between... The other day, we were talking at the bar, we were talking about Malbecs, and I said, literally, when I think of like a French wine versus American wine, I think of like the French one as being something that's more like a, a, a fit girl who's a little more not as well-endowed, where, yeah, yeah, whereas yeah. American wines tend to be just big enhanced in yeah. your face. This wine to me does not seem that way. You, you, this- you basically put it as there was the there was the the girl who had a ton of plastic surgery and then the beautiful classy woman who with natural beauty. That's yeah. what it was, you know. And I and someone on this podcast is eventually going to use this against all of us. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> We're using the- I also use them in some other different languages yeah. too after a few beers. You basically but- <laughs> used it as the man who goes to the gym a lot versus the man who was born pretty. Okay? How about that? You fuckers on that. Yes. <laughs> Those are sweet calves. They must be implants. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you uh, you're too lazy to work out clearly. You had plastic surgery. You look like you look like you go to Muscle Beach. You know, and kind of going back, I'm surprised because to me, that nose, that band-aid nose reminds me of so much of Pinotage from South Africa. Yeah. Pinotage from South Africa ha- always has that rubber band bicycle tire air scent. Like if you let air out of a bicycle tire, that to me smells like Pinotage. I'm making this face because I was in South Africa recently and I, 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 I went up to Dutch wine country. And I think I had like six vineyards, and I know that fucking taste, that scent, that 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 
that like stale air out of a bicycle. Yeah, that rubbery. You know, that, it's, for some reason, it has this weird like like acidic olive nose to it. It's, it's funny to say because there's such a distinct. If you ever pumped up a basketball, a football, a bike, oh, yeah. your actual car, putting that, there's a smell that comes out. And you're like, oh yeah, that's that's. Are you giving it a cowboy decant there, buddy? Yeah, he's doing a CD. Yeah, CD. Kevin, Kevin again. Get a little CD. All right, so number two I'm, then I'm, is... I'm, I, I, I hate that you did this, and I wish I would have taken a video of it, because my girlfriend and I went out once and had wine, and she was like, I know what this needs, and she shook it. Did you just call your girlfriend it? <laughs> no. You just said it went out for wine. <laughs> no, my girlfriend and I went out for, for wine. And he she, said he shook it, not her. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't shake her. She wasn't... Not sitting here. We're no, not giving the that. Chris Brown treatment or anything. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, I she she took she like we had I think it was actually believe it or not I think it was actually a Malbec, and she grabbed it and she shook it fucking vigorously angrily just shook this bottle and I was like what are you doing and she goes well, we don't have a decanter and this thing needs something yeah and I'm like was was the cork already out of it yeah like, it had, yeah you yeah. know what she she knows a lot about wine she knows way more than you she doesn't know shit about wine <laughs> <Surprising> <laughs> enough? Well, she knows one thing man it might be in her genes where you just know to grab it and just shake that bottle it's it's we in the show we well, call we should it, explain why she grabs me and shakes me every once in a while if I'm out of line apparently you know? so so. It's so they make this device called a venturi, or they make another thing called a decanter. They make these things to add air into your wine. Uh, Ray from AC Wines made this thing where you put like a stone in it, like a a stone from a fish tank, you know, those porous stones. Yeah. And, it, and it has a pump on the top of it. He puts it in, you pump it, and it adds air into it. Like people have come up with all sorts of devices to add air. I cowboy decant it, I stick my thumb in it, and I give it a shaky shake. Like, it really is an easy way to do it. You don't want to do this at a restaurant. You don't want to do this with old wines. You don't want to do this we, in front we, of... She did do it at a restaurant. Just put it out there. And you also always want to say okay. you're giving it a shaky shake when you do it. Oh, 100%. It, I mean, it actually <laughs> adds to the bottle. I was actually thinking to myself that, like, if I needed to fill in for a sommelier at a fine restaurant next week, I, I wanted to go in there and, and, and hand wine to people and go, please allow me to give this a shaky shake before I serve it to you. A little shaky shake. <laughs> So um, there's, this wine's just throwing me for a loop because this isn't anything like what I was expecting out of this wine. And after I just shook it, now it smells like a petting zoo. Shut up. It does. Shut like up. it smells like a. It smells like shit. I refuse. I refuse to believe that you you added air to a cohors and it smells like a fucking petting zoo. That's a pretty good chance. Damien loves petting zoos. He's from New York. <laughs> They're all weird up there. Oh yeah. <laughs> We had one right up the street from my house. Smell that now. And you've put this in a nice, large... Granted, granted it was my thumb was in it, so who knows where my thumb's been. <laughs> you did say he liked petting zoos, right, John? Yes. Yeah, yeah so Damien. Yeah. It's, once you add a ton of air to a wine like that, it will completely change okay. the nose. I know what you were getting, but I want, I'm not going to taste it yet. I want it you to stick your nose smells in like one bad eggs. I want you to stick your nose in that glass one more time. Are you sure petting zoo is what you want to go with? I'm going with rotted eggs. It does. It, it, a little, a little farty egg. I was, it's actually I was, heading, I was actually so, heading towards, uh, 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 what, you know those old fucking dollar store uh, stink bombs? That yes, 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 without a doubt. Yes. Bang! I was going to say sulfur, too. That, that's, so that, I'm doing yes. my cowboy dance. I'm shooting in the air yeah, with my no, finger that's, guns. That's bang, what it bang, is. Bang, 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 boys. Somebody, I, I said a thing, and it boogity, was right. Boogity, boogity, boogity. <laughs> no, that's the exact scent that I'm getting out of it. It's, uh. that, it's that fake poop scent that you get from those stink bombs. I just, I, I, I'm surprised that this is how this one came out. Wow. Yeah. Nope. Sorry. That's, I once got suspended from school, by the way, for throwing stink bombs in my teacher's classroom. Side note. Hilarious. So, number two. It's got to be Argentina. I'm not convinced number one is not American. So, I'm going with number two I, is Argentina I'm, now instead of France. I am, I am hoping that number two is American 
and that way I have like earned some trust. Nope, that's the Mendoza that's, one. That's the DOC Mendoza Bodega Norton DOC. Uh, not back. Get, give it, give it the shake, shake. Just kind of see how it changes. Right, I really, I have to have that. Like, yeah, get that. Get can the you, can that. you do I'll me talk a favor? I, I think this one's really nice just because it's, honestly, this might work out perfectly for Argentina because, yeah. dude, like I said, it pairs so well with food that I think maybe they're nailing this and everything. I just, it's, it's way lighter than I thought. But you said this is from what, like five thousand feet up? This is yes. the high elevation one. That makes sense. You're, why it's a little bit thinner. You're three to five thousand feet to be uh, in the Luján de Cuyo region of Mendoza. This is Mendoza, but if you look on the front, it probably does say it. Yeah, the Luján. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a really great. I really like this one. I think this is the softer of them. I think again, this is a much more approachable food one. What was this one on the shelf like? Twenty bucks. Twenty dollars. Yeah, perfect. And th- this is this is the, one of their highest end wines. That's the other thing that's great about the Argentinian wines. They are super super affordable. Like they're a cheap wine from Napa is going to run you fifty bucks, forty fifty bucks, right? Thirty five at the bottom end. This is the high end wine from these guys. What what made me happy about this being Argentinian is that um, everything we just said, the fact this like this would start our meal. Oh. Pair well with a fucking giant table of meats. Yeah, and then you could you could still be sipping on it at the end before you had probably something for dessert. And I don't know if the Argentinians drink ports, but it I would love a port after a fat meal in this. We yeah, oh, do they? That's, that's or or are you going question, straight actually. into like Argentinian liqueur at that point? Like I a don't. Digestif? What is a what is an Argentinian liqueur digestif? I would imagine they here? have some sort of amaro, uh, like like they have an amaro of sorts, right? Come on, it would, gotta it's got to be. The, I mean, I remember, no, the one I showed you. I think I showed you a bottle. The liquors that I, had I in know New York, of, and it was in Argentina tomorrow. The liquors I know of are more makes sense. You're be- mostly French. Beginning stuff like pisco is like Chilean. But, but pisco is what uh, Peru? It's pisco's, Peru. Pisco Chile. Chilean. I think is it Peru? Uh, or Chile? Peru. It's Peru. Okay. Yeah. So these wines I never decanted. We opened them up about half an hour before we started the show. Uh, give that a taste now after I gave it a little cowboy oh, yeah. decant. Because yeah, yeah. oft, often a little injection of air will really change the wine. And I just wanted to kind of show you this on how this wine will change or some of these wines have changed after doing this. I think that the French one actually became more poo-poo-y smelling after I added air to it. Which might make sense. Maybe that might have... I think this even softened out French. even more. This got better. Yeah, it did. It, it Quickly, it softened out. It actually has a... Uh, Almost like creamy tannins in the middle. Are you still on the French one? No, this is I've changed. This no, is, this is this is the Argentinian. Yeah, one. that's the DOC he was talking about. And I am not mad about it. No, honestly, it's great it's, value. It's, I this is fantastic for twenty dollars. This is one of the best food friendly Malbecs you can get. But the uh, yeah, it's also and I don't go by scores. This wine is a mid ninety point score. The French one is a mid ninety point score from the enthusiast. Which I don't always believe enthusiasts. They're like my the one. Tur- turns out the Argentinians have uh, jumped on the Frenette train and Frenette with Coke. Really? Frenette with Coke. Like, yeah. are we talking like a splash of Coke or I like 50 50? They have, have a thing for that. But that. also, Yerba Mate. I didn't even think about it, but Yerba Mate. They, that's your post meal digestif green tea ish type thing. I mean, it's not really a tea, you, but. You, they have a. They have a is that, okay, is that that tea? That you know, you gotta use the weird straw with the yeah, and yeah. you gotta uh-huh. pour it out of like a clay pot and yep. everything. Oh, okay, one. yeah, yeah. I, that's one thing that I have seen that I thought was so cool. That's a really cool tradition that they uh, have. In a wonderful website that's gonna get a free shout out now all of a sudden because it's called Odd Bacchus. Uh, it has a post on on Legui. I'm sure I'm fucking like, yes. Legui, Legui, Legui. French. That was French. The where the the do you know what this is? The bottle opener that I gave you. 
Oh, no, I didn't. That's a Ligui. That's different. So, what this is, is apparently Argentina's best digestif. I'm going to give this one a shaky shake, too. Yeah, let's do that. I want to taste your so thumb. So, by the instead. way, <laughs> number one. Can I shaky shake one, guys? You know what? You get the shaky shake. Stick Can your thumb in there. Shake? Yeah. Give your, give your, put your thumb in it and give it a little I've never, had, I've never had a wine that had a Libyan thumb in it. Well. <laughs> <Libyan>. <laughs> <laughs> He's at a loss of words, finally. Uh, no. It took an hour. No, Zach, I, no, I, was gonna, I was just going to tell you to date one of my exes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we got but the brown said, note, finally. But you said wine, didn't you? I'm sorry. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's so, all right. So we got a uh, ex-girlfriend This is the part here. where any future political affiliations of mine have been fucking destroyed. Yeah. Oh, dude, over, I picked uh, my Over Facebook, three bottles of Malbec. I've, I've deleted half my Facebook. So if I was like, I'll ever run for office, all my friends are like, get off Facebook right now. <laughs> but, I, I, but I figured this one being the American one because of the way they use their oak, because they wanted to drift into the American palate, was put oak up front, and nail it right afterwards. But this could age well. So number one is from Columbia Valley, uh, made by Brown Family Vineyards, and it's their Malbec. I yeah. mean, the wine has definitely got more length to it since you did that. The wine, because I just actually took a sip out of my glass and then out of that glass, and they taste very different. Also, the alcohol is way crazy higher than the DOC and the, uh, or the, uh, the Argentinian one. Oh, shit, one you're right. It's <laughs> crazy, man. Right? Yeah. No, no wonder Doc was buying all of his parts from the Libyans. You know, Doc. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. right, yeah. Only Libyans, Marty! Libyans showing up a in Libyan, a VW bus a, shooting at the dock. Was, uh, FYI, I looked at the cast list out of sheer curiosity. Those were three Mexicans on a VW bus. <laughs> so just, <laughs> just so you guys are aware, uh, we were robbed of a role. Carlos says <laughs> Libyan <laughs> shooter number two. Uh, well, we're, the <laughs> we're just saying, on our, so far we've had now... Oh, dude, in the bigger glass, this is a huge difference. We've had five guests on the show, and four of them have been brown. So this has been just amazing. Yeah, it's a reverse Oreo show. So we had Mexican Valentina. We had Jason Caballero. We had... Kirti. Kirti from India. Nice. Yeah. And you. So we're, we're a multicultural something. something I won't something. tell them, but who's your favorite? <laughs> the brown one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... We're oh, about to get Twitter ruined I'm just, by like two I'm just, people. I'm just trying to figure out if, if like he's going to change his address tomorrow and be like, don't let Yusuf back here. I love <laughs> it. This, the whole point of this was no holds barred. Just let loose and have fun. You know, hang Thanks, out, hang I, out with your friends, drink some wine. These are the same conversations we have when we're at the bar at together. The bar. What I love, though, is that I watched him look. And what, what I'm going to do is if you invite me back ever in the next 17 years, I'm going to close your fucking laptop so you never see how much time has passed. <laughs> I, 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 ch I check time. I'm also check sometimes sound levels. No, I'm just giving you a hard time. Yeah. This is nice. It's but I'm like sad now that you've pointed out the fact that, that was so much different out of the glass. Yeah. Now, it's, it's not just the yeah, glass. We were talking about this last time. Like, glasses actually do make a difference. Glasses will make a difference. Also, just shaking it, adding that quick injection of air will open it up. Honestly, the best part about drinking yeah, a bottle of wine with better friends this big -ass glass. Is, is seeing how it opens up, how it changes. I will never decant a really nice wine because I want to enjoy it throughout the night. The other night, my friend opened a 1988 Duckhorn wine, and he poured the glass, and everyone started drinking. I'm like, guys, stop drinking that stop right it. now. Stop. You're going to finish it before that wine even gets 10% opened. And I opened a bottle of wine, and then we opened another bottle of wine. I was like, guys, stop drinking that wine. Because, and even Matt looked at me at one point after an hour. He goes, man, I'm so glad you did that. Because the wine, it wouldn't have done it justice if we would have drank a wine 31 years old that wasn't actually opened or properly opened. 
And I'll be honest, I would never would have kept, I wouldn't have cowboy decanted that wine. I actually would never have poured that wine into a decanter. Quick story. I opened a 1990, early 90s, 91 Barolo once. Poured a glass. It was stunning. It was, uh, as a wine ages. Straight out of the bottle. Yeah. As a wine ages, it's going up the hill, up the hill, up the hill. And usually it hits a plateau. And sometimes they'll fall off slowly. And then it just drops. And then it becomes vinegar. It's dead. Once you open and pull the cork out, that hill, all of a sudden, now you're like, over the top. Right. Well, I open that wine up. It's a 30-year-old Barolo. It is right on the very top. It is like overlooking the whole valley. It is amazing. And all I could think of is, I'm going to put this in a decanter, and it's going to be better. By putting it in the decanter, I just shoved that thing off the cliff. No. And it became astringent, thin. It was horrible. I ruined that wine by putting it into a decanter. And from that day forward, I said, I will not decant my old, beautiful wines ever again. I will decant something like this, something young, big, bold. Typically, the darker it is or the younger it is, the more I want to decant it, the more you want to inject it with some air. Those old wines, don't do it. Don't shake them. Do never cowboy decant something with sediment in it. That duckhorn, it had layers of like where it had been laying down on the inside of the bottle. If you shook that, it would, be, it would have become a sludgy it. mess. Yeah. It would have destroyed it. Like So some of the stuff we do on this show is... We get a little outside the box, but it's also a controlled thing that we do. I'm not going to do that with an old Barolo. I wasn't going to do that with the mom cellars we opened that night that had all that sediment in yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird that you get to a point in time where you can sit here and say, actually, the better way to make it taste better is to just shove your thumb in it and shake it up. <laughs> yeah. And, like, you know. And I'll do I it. Think that, you know what? We're going to hashtag shove a thumb in it. Let's see how that trends. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I literally will do it myself at a restaurant. I never want to see my psalm do it. I never want to see a bartender do no, it. No, I would expect. No, I think uh, that's why I was saying. Like I, you know, we did it at a restaurant. She put her thumb in a yeah. bottle. Of wine. Nothing wrong with that. So. Yeah. Literally, you you could can tell you her. It? Oh no, I was gonna say, can you do it with beer? Like, like, is there a way to make beer better than already what it is? It's Not like doing stick a thumb in it. So yeah, no stick a thumb in it. If you, yeah, you want to, if we, if is there like beer is better in a glass like this style? Oh no, I have a shitload of glassware. I have a ton of glassware. Yes, absolutely. So it does make a difference. Oh yeah, absolutely. I have taken glasses and I've got proper glasses for for lagers and pilsners and stouts and you know I and and I have taster glasses that come in different sizes and mouths so that I get the right nose on it. I do. Yeah, I do that with my beer. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, because I never knew if that was like a beer thing where you could yeah. like, all right, like there's an IPA for this glass, Pilsner for this glass, yep. a stout for that glass yep. or something. Yeah. I just kind of assumed. And, and and something that's been happening recently, which I think is super fucking weird, but people are buying um, like oak, oak wood cubes yeah, and, and bourbon like aged cubes, like chunks from a barrel. Yeah. And they'll take a stout that hasn't been bourbon barrel aged, for example, and they'll pour it over these cubes and they'll let it sit for a week or two to get an idea of what it would taste like if it did. There's also some people that are just straight up adding a, like a dash. I mean like yeah. a bit of bourbon to a, a stout, a really heavy mean stout. So I would say as someone who I'm guilty of using dust, chips, staves, and barrels, depending on what level of wine I'm making. I do all of it. I Damien threw all of his shit, which I don't, I don't know why I took notes. What are you doing? <laughs> what is going on? Why is, da is Damien mad now? Because <laughs> Sorry, I offended him by using three or four oak types. No, you're I, have, I have the dust the dust one we I experimented wish, with. And I it's wish cool. everyone could have fucking seen that. It would have been perfect. That's why we're going to go to, tw by the way, we're going live with Twitch and uh, some streaming <laughs> shit later, so you can see Damien lose his mind occasionally with me. Actually, the best face on the planet is Damien's disappointment face because he just sits there, <laughs> blinks his eyes, smiles, and his he's having an aneurysm for half a second, but his brain's coming back. 
So <laughs> I've used I used a uh, a dust one time and some fun. I was like, I want to see what this tastes like, and it's garbage. It's like it you could feel it. It tastes like sawdust in your mouth. It's dark. but like the 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 oak cubes. I was training staff on. All right, here's what American is. Here's what French is. Here's what Hungarian with different. Uh, like toasts on it. So I took Chardonnay because I think Chardonnay is a great example to extract what the oak is without ruining the wine itself, kind of. So I put French in it, French Plus, French Medium Plus, Char American, da 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 I started noticing at some point in time, we had uh, we had purchased, I think it was Camelback Brewery or one of those guys. They actually had the oak chips in a hot bag in the 22-ounce bomber, and it was just in there. So that beer is just sucking in that chip. So if you do something for a week, yeah, you'll absorb all that flavor depending on how you do it. So I've seen like friends who do home beer, they take chips, they soak it in like a Woodford Reserve or a rye whiskey or something, and they just soak it, soak it, soak it, soak it. And then when they make a batch of beer, they take all those oak chips and throw it in their homemade beer. And it actually makes a cool difference because you lose the grimy, waxy, crappy characteristic from chips and dust. But then it extracts that bourbon right out of it, yep. depending on the temperature, obviously, by the way. Which, by the way, bourbon oaked wine is bullshit, and people need to stop doing that horse crap because you're never going to get the flavor that you want out of it. Yeah, I had a rant on Facebook about some, it the I've other seen night. some weird stuff lately. I had Sorry. a guy at Total Wine be like, well, we have a great bourbon Zinfandel. Stop. And I'm like, shut stop. up. Stop. Don't do that. All you do is hiding everything. Like, literally, if you have a good wine, beautiful vintage, harvested perfectly, you're not going to put it in a bourbon Z- barrel. Zinfandel. That's stupid. Zinfandel is another conversation. Uh, so the reason why I threw my notes over the thing, because I had all these notes on the region and all this other stuff to, like, talk about. And I was like, you know what? I'm having such a good time just talking to you guys and having, like, this isn't an educational one necessarily. This this is more of a let's have fun podcast, you know? No, but I think we've nailed some cool things. Like on like you, you get the little educational aspect. You get I've every... had f- I've had fun. Yeah. All right. So I was pretty pissed off today, and I'm gonna go on a rant now. Do it. So I really hate dealing with big package stores when it comes to buying wine. And I think everybody should make sure they always go to a small store, something that's locally owned, something where the person truly cares. But even then you're gonna run into a problem. So I went to a store today to buy these wines. And I'm walk, walking through the Bordeaux section, and the general manager of the store is putting away the brand new vintage of Bordeaux's 2016 vintage. And I look at him, I go, hey, you got a lot to put away. It must be delivery day. He goes, man, we just got all our 2016s in. I'm really excited. I go, yeah, it was a pretty unique vintage. And he goes, it was actually a really good vintage. Okay. And the way he said it was so off-putting. It, like he scoffed at you. He scoffed at me. And I looked at him, and I'm I'm in shorts, a baseball cap, flip flops. He has no idea who I am. You're the casual wine guy. I'm an ordinary guy. He has no idea. He assumed and, you were and, buying and, that Bud Light. And I looked at, I looked over at him. I go, yeah, but I heard there was a lot of frost in Burgundy. He goes, oh, Burgundy made good wine too that year in 2016. I turned around and walked away. The way he scoffed at me, it turned me off so much because he almost was talking down to me. Because I said one, it was a unique vintage. And you know what? It was a unique vintage. Burgundy lost half of its production. It's one of the best years Burgundy has done in a long time. But they are way expensive because they literally lost half of their vintage. To a frost? To frosts. So so he's, but like. He scoffed at me because I said it was a unique. It was just the way he did it. It was so off-putting to me. This was today? Yeah. I literally, I, I typed on Facebook. What the fuck is wrong with wine professionals? I went on this rant and I, I, delete, I started deleting all the swear words. I was like, all right, I'm going to make this a little more politically correct. And at, I also put in the store name and I deleted that at first too. This is my biggest problem. This is why we created this show is to make 
wine approachable and fun. And man, I've had so much fun sitting around talking to you about these wines. When you showed up, I, my blood was boiling at the way this guy talked to me. It was a tone of voice as if I know more than you and why are you commenting on this vintage to me? Like just buy what you want and leave kind of thing. Is that what you felt like he was doing? I, I don't even know. He didn't even, it was just literally all I did was say, yeah, it was a really unique vintage. So I, here's my complaint with places like Total Wine because I want to go on a rant on how much I'm not a Total Wine fan and even though I buy stuff from them, they give people who work there the most basic education but then that basic education makes those people think that they know more than anybody else out there. And the reality is, is yeah, they do know a little more than your average consumer walking in. But if you get a real person like yourself or myself going in and they want to have a conversation with you, they get fucking uppity about how they do it. I had gone in there one day and I was just standing in front of the Piedmont section because I was going through all the bros. That's why I bought all those... Um, the single vineyard Barbarescos, because they still had like four of them. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to get these. But I was just in my mind doing math. And I was like, you know, hanging out. And the guy goes, oh, hey, can I help you with this? And I said, honestly, I'm just looking at these Barbarescos. And he goes, oh, well, the Brolos are usually a little bit better. So I'm like, okay, cool. He knows, like, obviously, Brolos a little bit better. And he goes, you should get this one right here if you really want to actually taste what Nebbiolo tastes like. And he pointed to, like, the $30 Brolo that I had seen at, like, other places, and it's, like, the worst of all of them. And also it was Winery Direct and also it was Manager's Choice. And I'm like, that's not my style. I like to taste the different finish. He goes, well, Brolo is just all the same no matter where you get it from. It's just, you know, it's a very specific wine, and, you know, but it's all the same. I'm like... It's not all the same. Like it, it, it is different depending on who you're buying from. What it goes well, but you know, like it, the expensive stuff is this, but like these ones, these three right here are the best of all of them. And they were garbage winery direct. They weren't even produced and bottled probably from where they were. They were just he's the name trying to stuff. sell what the company told him to yeah. sell. Is, well, and I was, I was like, what, I knew these vineyards. What it I've sounds had these like before. What it sounds like to me. So I, uh, when I was in high school, I sold TVs. What it sounds like to me is what. The, what manufacturers would do when they would come over, they'd, they'd basically come in with this, like, let me educate you on LCD versus plasma. Yeah. Right? And you're like, yeah. And they don't really talk about their brand. They just keep telling you, like, these Plasma's are the important... No, they're just like, these are the important statistics to know. And then as you start to soak in all of this information, right, you're just like, oh, I know what Nebbiolo is now. I know what Barolo is now. Then they go, so XYZ brand has the best part of all of those statistics I just told you. Uh, and then he, he puts that together in his head, and then someone else comes in and does that four hours later with a completely different, whether it's a liquor or a beer, right? But he's he's compartmentalized all of that and put it into a little box, and that's all he knows. Yeah, That's what it sounds like to me, because I saw that happen. I was one of the few people who would ask questions as opposed to just like, okay, got it, thanks, man, you must know everything. You know, I, I guarantee you... That's what this person has done. Uh, see, They've taken I, that information. I that's don't fair. mind somebody trying to educate a little bit. And however, when you try and talk down to somebody or belittle somebody, yes. or when you try and be pompous or stuck up, this is the biggest problem the wine industry has is people are intimidated. They're scared to ask questions. They look at a giant wall of Chardonnay or they walk over to like, oh, I want to try a French wine. They look at a wall of Bordeaux and they don't even know where to start. And then somebody comes along with his Chateau blah, blah, blah attitude like he's better than you. <laughs> it really dries me up the wall. This is, this is a natural product that's grown in the ground. It's, it's amazing. The first thing I know about wine is I don't know a thing about wine. And I'm very honest about that. I will tell you that. I'll tell everybody that every single thing I know about wine today, in 12 months, I know nothing because it's a whole new vintage. I got to start again. I, everything I know about Nebbiolo today, in a year, I know nothing. Yeah, how many, Damien, how many... Barolo, just just Barolo producers. Do you think there are? 
Why not? 300, well, 400? Why not? There's 256 Brunello producers. Okay, so there's 256 Brunello producers. Have you had all 256? No. Have you had 50? Have you had 100? Not even. So you, you haven't even had half of them. Neither as the guy at the store or whatever, but at least they could tell you the ones they like. And if you come out and say, listen, I like when I do it at Ace of Wines, I say, listen, I don't know these two. I haven't had them, but I will tell you I'm a big fan of this one and this one. And here's the difference. This one's more American produced. Like the Gaiole, the Chianti. I'm going to use this one as, a, as an example. I always say this one's the much more approachable, fruitier, better drinking one. But this Chianti is way more earthy. This is your like real Chianti. This will go well with this and this one will do this. And these other three, I'm sorry, I just don't know them. I I appreciate that as a consumer for anything, right? And I, I appreciate that about restaurants, breweries, any place that serves anything that I'm going to consume. I love when somebody doesn't fucking lie to me. Yeah. When they just flat out tell me like, hey, I love this. This has got this. This is a little more effervescent. This is that. I don't know. I have never had it. Yeah. Just, like, just hey, tell listen, me. You want to gamble? Just tell me. Do like, you drink I've that? I've never had it. Oh, but I've, I've heard from some of my favorite customers that come in here. They really like that. You know, one of my friends says that that tastes like a shoe. You know, I just like, just tell me that. Just tell me that and this tell me you've farty, never... This is farty, this is fruity, <laughs> this is shooey. All right, well, I'll take the not farty one. Yeah. I mean, Shoo-y. example, somebody comes into a beer store and they say, I like light beers, I like, I, I love Heineken, I love Peroni. Well, my brain instantly goes, they like green bottle beers, they like a little funk. I'm going to send them down a path of a green bottle beer as yeah. a little funky. I'm not going to talk shit or give them an attitude because they're drinking green bottle beer. Oh, yeah. I'm no. not going to scoff at them. And that to me is... That doesn't happen in the beer business as much. It happens in the wine business every single day in every single state in the United States. I feel like it's almost assumed that it should happen in the wine business. I've seen it happen recently in the beer business. And like when I've gone to, when I I go to a different city, I always find a new brewery I've never been to. And I'd say at least 20% of the time, I have someone who assumes I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah, And so they're like, uh, have you ever had a barrel aged stout? And I'm like, uh, yeah, no, I've I've been out of the house before. Yes, I've left my home. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you know, or someone will be like, oh, this is a barley wine. Most people have never had barley wine. I don't know why this guy's from California. Is, it, all, <laughs> you know, is you know, it autumnal? Yeah, yes, it, yeah. perfect, yeah. perfect have California had, accent. Have you ever had had a perfect. <laughs> like, I had to make up for that fucked up British <laughs> accent that turned Irish earlier. So I'm I'm, I'm coming nailing back. it. The last yeah. four have been perfect. Have you ever had barley wine, bro? <laughs> so like, bro, have you tried our newest hopped IPA? We use Nelson hops. This is this it's is this is dry hop. Hops. It's got Nelson mosaic and citra. And if you if you think the Nelsons are better than the Citra, you don't know orange. I'm gonna, I mean, so like that's the guy I, I want to put in a full Nelson is what yeah. I'm going to do. So, so, so <laughs> ne- next time, you just have to ask if the, when the guy pulls out and you go, but are they free range and organic? Yeah. Free range organic sulfites. <laughs> that's that Portlandia <laughs> episode where they're just like, so where's the chicken from? And yeah. what was the chicken's name? So like for me, oh, I, is it happy? I love stouts. <laughs> I'm like, I, I really, really like stouts. I don't like porters at all, though. Like, I, just, I don't know what it is. We're, I'm glad we're having this conversation. Tell Damien all the things you hate. I'm gonna go grab that bottle so it warms up. Perfect. But I think we're gonna yeah. have a little, we're gonna do a little. Uh, fark, so Farkin Woot Stout. Yeah, you bring the Farkin. I'm gonna talk to you while you're in the other room, and then when you come back, you can answer these. So, so like, as drinking so, certain beers, I I love left hand milk stout. I it's like it's uh, it feels bigger. It just comes off a little sweeter, and it's a lighter milk. I, I guess milk stout. I'm not sure the right way because again, I don't know these certain beers. But there's some stouts that I'm like, ah, I don't like. Like Guinness comes off thin. There's certain stouts I'm just like, no, this isn't my style. I guess it's perfect example by the way is us doing these Malbecs. If somebody came out and went, oh, these are the Malbecs that we have, 
I clearly would say, oh, if I'm eating, I'm going to drink this Argentina one. If I'm just going to drink and I want something big, you know what? Clearly, the Columbia Valley is one. And unfortunately, you have a French one. I'm going to put that off to the corner. And by the way, there's probably some amazing French ones out there. This is not my style. So I just did not like the way it came off. They had three in the entire store. This was their highest level one. Which, by so the way, I went but for that the makes best. sense, though. I mean, think about what's coming from Cahors to Arizona. Probably almost nothing. And, to be, and as a store, when you have a limited amount of shelf space, you're better off having two extra Malbecs than having extra Cohor. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. I'm, I'm realistic. But I actually wanted to go ask that guy about... Cahor. Yeah. And after he turned, because I was looking at the Bordeaux section for Cahor, because that's where it's typically well, going to be semi associated with. I was going to say, but it's not near Bordeaux. It's, it's not like near the anything. It's in the middle of France. It's southwest. Yeah. So the Blanca de Lemieux is the closest major region you're going to get, or Lemieux. Provence is the closest thing. You're not going to get still anything. not even yeah. close. But, yeah. but Cahor is in the middle of nowhere. But when you look at the classifications of imports, it's often put into the classification of Bordeaux because okay. of the Bordeaux varietal. That's just where it kind of falls with. The generalization of it, because really, when it comes to French wines, you have three major, four major sections. You have Burgundy, Bordeaux, Rhone, and Alsace. Oh, and Champagne, obviously. And, well, but Champagne that is that's something. It is, but Champagne is Burgundy. They count that as part of Burgundy. Yeah, Champagne's Burgundy. Okay. This this is an anomaly. So I walked all over the store. I looked, and I'm. But traditionally, if you were to put it, cut it into a section, it would be cut at the say the very end of a Bordeaux section. Now, did you go to Total Wine for this? Yes. Okay. So so did I. I went to the Malbec section, and the entire Malbec section only had this one from America. There were two, the second one being a $8 whatever one, but this was the one that I chose. Obviously, it's a more priced out, but I figured let's give a shot at it. Kind of, the rest were all from Mendoza, but I went to the Malbec section. Remember when we had the Misueño Malbec? Yes. I mean, that's the problem also now with these guys that are making Malbec in Napa Valley. They're putting it's $90, a, though, by the they're way. Putting a na- they're putting a price tag on it as if it's Cabernet. I know. that's And it's insane. The I love... You know I love Hourglass. I posted about it earlier. Hourglass is amazing, but even theirs was like $75. And I bought one because I love so, it so much so still. How does a Napa Valley producer compete with this $20 DOC Norton? I'll tell you why. And... 100% why the same way I do my winery. I make something unique. I dump it to my club first. And if I know the club loves it, then I'll make a little more, give it to the club, give them extra to buy it. Then it goes into the tasting room. So for a Malbec to pop up in Napa Valley, it 100% started as a club wine. And then that club membership, if they sold through all of it real fast, maybe they'll make a little more the next year instead of blending it in and sell it out and go from there. So most producers that I have been to in Napa, and this is just Napa. It's not Sonoma, not anywhere else, just Napa. It is club only, and you can almost not buy a Napa Napa Malbec almost anywhere that, unless you go to that winery and try it. Well, and that's, that's why it's $100. That's why Misueño shoves their Malbec down pe- their club members' throats. And, their exactly. club, and I think it pisses off club members. Probably. Personally. if you have, It's one thing to have the option to buy. It's another thing to walk in and be like, oh, you have a $100 Malbec. I like it. I appreciate it. And I buy it. But you won't sell that because you can go and get this Norton. This Norton DOC is fantastic. It's fantastic. 20 bucks. Are you kidding me? That's a great price for a wine. I'm really glad that you, the product you brought matches the vintages of our wines that we're drinking. That's actually exciting. Is it a, is it a 2015? 15, I'm, 15. Your, yours, 14. yours is 14. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, and this I'm, was, this was bottled two days after my, 40th birthday. You you guys are going to lose me no. soon. I'm a 39th fucking, birthday. I'm a fucking idiot. 
So Nirvana's coming up, right? And I got an invite to do this thing tonight. Okay. That's like a pre-Nirvana thing. And I, I bought tickets like two well, weeks ago. And my phone goes... Through your credit card. Yes, I told you the, about The this. crazy, super, like, Fucking, yes. Yeah, it's like, it, yeah. it's like this... It, I mean, there's a messenger star chef and a sommelier. And like I was just like... I'm sitting here and I walked away to go get that bottle. And my phone goes, hey, like you should leave in like 10 minutes if you want to make it to this thing. It's no, this, this is perfect, I was like, though. what the fuck? No, shit. I have to go all the way home, No, man. this is this I got to go home yeah. and go get ready. And that I don't Well, let's finish off on the, uh, on the, on the stout and... Call it an episode. So, so, so randomly, you ever poured a stout in a wine glass, or is oh, yeah. it better oh, yeah. suited? I, have, in I, I, I like my stouts in in, um, in teco glasses. Actually, usually if it's a barrel aged stout, I don't know if this is. Uh, yes, this is barrel aged. I did bring you guys my barrel aged stout. So. I don't know what a teco glass is. Teco, teco, teco. Is that like the snifter kind of glass? Yeah. So I, you guys didn't cheat, right? You haven't figured out what kind of barrel this is yet. No. Okay. No. I looked at well, the vintage and I was I like, just, I just saw you, the devil you, head would on. Would you I was like, like to put it a in a wine glass? I was just curious if this was something that would be beneficial. Sure, give it a shot. You want to? You want to just take and rinse one of these, or what do you want? All right, let, well, let me do this. I'm gonna let's pour grab into these those up. little glasses. Let's grab glasses. these off of here. This is the blank part where we cut this out. So no, what I no. I mean, what needs to happen here is everyone needs to hear the the sweet sounds of pouring stuff. But also, what we could do for fun is actually pour a little bit in maybe one of the big. Glasses. Just want a big one? All right. Just just a splash and we can pass it around to see how it changes. Let's do it. Here. Let's let's it's a uh, big one. Here. Go for it. Yeah, it's uh no I, I'm a big no stout head, fan, man. No I, head. I like everything in between. I'm not a It'll like settle. my IPAs, pale ales, all kind of fading. I'm not a Hefeweizen, but I love Pilsners and Stouts, so I like the extremes. It's really malty on the nose. Yeah. Really like, that? like weedy. Like that? Very really? bready. So so that everyone knows what we're drinking it, here. This is the this is the the twenty fifteen Stone Farking Ooh. Wheaton Woot Stout. That this is, is Drew Curtis, Will Wheaton, Greg Cook. Will Wheaton? Will um, Wheaton? Will Wheaton? Cool Wheaton? Why are you saying it what what way? What what way is that? And so, yeah, this these are, this, this is a fun one. A while ago, I, when I first bought this. So um, I worked on a dairy farm in upstate New York. Little of course you me. did, you petting zoo-loving son of a bitch. And, and when we brought the cows in, they got a batch of hay with this almost like a malted mixture on the top of it. And that scent of that fermenting hay is something that's in the back of my mind. So the hay would be in a silo and it's hot in the summertime. And as it sat in that silo, this fer- it would almost start to like smoke as you actually pulled it yeah. out. You'd see the steam coming out of it. And the scent of that fermenting hay is exactly the same scent I'm getting off this nose. All right. So I don't know the hay smell. So we're talking about the tumbler. No, check it out. All right. Stop. So what are you doing? I'm swirling it. And you'll understand <laughs> no why. Check it out. All right. So the tumbler glass has that funky smell that you're talking about. We'll go with petting zoo. But here, check this. All right. So I'm going to hand this to I'm you. I'm getting no petting zoo. I'm actually just getting like that, that malted hay. So in that big, giant Brunello glass and a swirl... It reminds me of a chocolate malt. It's it's like a chocolate yes. malt shake. Oh this my is, god! This is chocolate dude. malt shake, dude. That that put, makes my dreams happen. Put your face in that glass. This is calmed down. So, so, so that big glass I just like handed Yusef is a Samaye Extreme Bordeaux glass. And then like uh, it, so the the tumbler glasses, it's definitely different. But that one is a chocolate malt I'm out get, of the big I'm glass. Getting, I'm getting Sonic milkshake out of that. Sonic milkshake. I'm good with that. Yeah. So that makes me happy because milkshakes are my thing. Yeah. That's, I'm, um, I'm the Robert Parker of milkshakes. So, what do you think? If you had to guess, are you take what? What's crazy about this is we talk about we talk about bourbon barrel aged stouts. Some of them we say are a little too hot. They gotta they gotta calm down. They need to they need to sit for a while, right? So, this is set. I don't know whether this is the bottle this that set properly, spice to it, or though. has not set properly. By the way, because I have two of these. Um, this one 
may have been at temperature, may not have been. It's not bad. It hasn't gone bad. It doesn't have a metallic flavor to it. Definitely not bad. So it it's hasn't definitely oxidized. not oxidized. We're safe there. I don't think this was a very angry beer to begin with. I'm trying to remember the first time I had it. Because some some beer, some stouts that are bourbon barrel aged, you'll get like straight fire, like just liquor in your mouth. And yeah. that's usually when you're like, I got to let this thing sit. So one thing in the wine industry that I was reading about at like one point in time was when they used to do, there, there was a long time ago in the 70s and 80s when people also used to do bourbon barreled wines. But the difference was is they would take that bourbon barrel, ship it to them real quick, and there'd actually still be a little bit of bourbon at the bottom of the barrel, like actual liquid. Mm-hmm. You put the wine in it, it absorbs it, and now you have bourbon in your wine. Nowadays, it's mostly like, we'll ship you the barrel. There's no bourbon actually in it. But here's the thing about bourbon-aged wines versus bourbons aged in wine barrels. You cannot bring the temperature of wine up while it's in cellaring to go through in and out of those oak staves. You're not letting that oak breathe a lot to absorb all that bourbon flavoring from the oak itself because you'll cook the wine versus you take a wine barrel, you put bourbon in it, and you shove that thing to the top of the building where you're letting it go from 80 to 100 degrees, and that oak is open and closing, open and closing at night. It's actually breathing, and that bourbon can soak its way through the wine. You could do that with beer a little bit as well. You can't do it with wine. Therefore, wine is not going to absorb the flavors of bourbon barrels, whiskey barrels, or whatever gimmicky thing you want to use versus any liquor will absorb the flavors of it. That's why, to me, this bourbon-aged... Zinfandels or whatever is a gimmick because it's not going to get the flavors unless you physically have bourbon in that barrel. I don't know if you've seen this, but Jameson has actually bought back barrels that have had a stout in them mm-hmm. and then put Jameson back into the barrel. Our, our, yeah. fr- our, our, friend, our friend's doing that right now in British Columbia. He bought His friend bought a Jim Beam barrel, made a whiskey in it himself. Their he, bourbon, yeah. When he was done, or a bourbon, when he was done, he gave it to our friend to do a stout in which was like a 19-month stout. stout. And then he just gave it back to his friend who's going to do another whiskey in it. And For then two years. And then in a couple of years, he's going to give it back to him. He's going to do another stout yeah. in it later. So you this barrel is... That. I'd love to try And it. they're going to keep passing it back and yeah. forth for the next infinity. Forever until the barrel explodes. <laughs> so what's our guess here? What do you guys think? There's a spice to it. Is this a rye barrel? Is this a bourbon barrel? Take a pick. pick I'm going to go with rye only because there's like... And it might just be the way like my palate's hitting, but I, I'm getting this... And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, back. I'm gonna tell you this: it's a blend, not okay. the the beer is a blend, not the barrels. The barrels are but a blend, the, but the barrels are not. But the barrels are beer, straight. The beer is a blend. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know then. It's delicious, though. Honestly, this is fantastic. What do you think? What are you getting? I would drink this all night. This is a wine lover's beer. Yes, because there's like so much complexity in it, and I think even over the next five or 10, 20 minutes, it's going to change so much. This. For being bottled up for two years, this is so giving. Sometimes when something's been two years, this has been bottled up now this for is, this is a this is a twenty fifteen release. This is bottled on seven seven fifteen. Oh, but wait, how long was it in a barrel? So let me find out. Let me find out. Well, well, because uh, so I'm, I'm gonna take a guess if you want on what kind of barrel it is, real quick, and I'm, I'm gonna ruin the surprise. To, to be honest, I'm it, it's throwing a dart. It's like I can't. It's, okay, so so. A quarter of this blend was aged in bourbon barrels. Okay. For a year prior to bottling. But this this is bottled seven seven fifteen. What they say this was brewed with cocoa, pecans, wheat, and rye. You're not off on the rye. The rye's there. Okay. Okay. Uh, with one quarter of this blend being in bourbon barrels. That's really cool. Yep. I, honestly, I think Damien nailed it. And a wine drinker who likes the complexity of beers, this is it. Cause you're smelling it, so am I. Like the taste though is so good. 
This is fantastic. I th- by the way, thanks, man, for bringing this. this oh, my pleasure. Great. My pleasure. I'm happy to, to do this you anytime. Said, when, when somebody brings me a special wine, often it sits in my glass for 15 minutes before I try it. They will sometimes come up to me 10 minutes later and say, oh, Damien, what'd you think of that wine? And I will literally say, I don't know. I haven't tried it I haven't yet. tried it yet. That's how I feel about smelling it out of this glass. I could literally sit there and smell it for the next 10 minutes and be happier than a pig and shit. This will warm up. <laughs> Happy than a pig and shit is one of my favorite phrases. This will warm up and open up a bit, by the way. The um, complexity in that, it has this. Now it's bacon think about fat. The fa- it think, moved from chocolate malt to bacon Think fat, about the like fact that, bacon you fat. know how you were saying there was no head to it. Think about the fact that there's, it's there actually it is, still yeah. got some in it there. It does. And this has been in a bottle for four years. There's... That is so cool. So wait, you held on to this for four years or you bought it recently? No, I, I held on to So I, I bought a second one recently that I ran into, which is why I immediately grabbed this and brought it over because now I have two. Okay. I bought, I bought a second one that I ran to at a bottle shop in California. But I, I don't know if this is the one I've held on to or if this is the one they've held on to. It's See, I, I can't wait to meet more people like you who like, listen, like you treat beer like wine because apparently there it can do it. I think... That I, might be something as America grows and as we all get older and breweries get better experiments, all of a sudden you're going to start having these. Listen, we we barrel-aged this time or we made this beer this long ago. I mean, I can't remember where I was. I, I swear I want to say it was probably Italy. Somebody made a, a, a lager, or a, I think it was a lager, and they had let the fermentation stay at 55 degrees instead of the 54, and it took like two years for the whole thing to fully ferment through. And it was one of the coolest, funkiest, weirdest beers I ever had in my entire life. And they were just like, yeah, well, it took, you know, two plus years to ferment the whole thing because we kept it at such a low temperature. What I really appreciate is that through this show, we taught you a lot about wine. And now you just blew our mind with beer. I haven't done bit, anything. This is the, You guys are talking the, 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 the tip of the iceberg for beer. I have some great friends that have done some great things and shared some great bottles with me. I recently did a vertical of, um, I don't know if you guys do verticals for wine. Is that a thing? Yeah. But I recently did a vertical of, um, of what Dogfish Head has called 120 minute. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and I did like a, a 2010 to 2000. One bottle of that gets you lit. <laughs> well, we did, we did that. And there was a <laughs> lot of people who were not okay afterwards, but it, it's, I, I carry, I, I carry, I keep a lot of um, Goose Island prior to, the Anheuser-Busch acquisition. I have a lot oh, of that okay. stuff sitting in my fridge. Um, I have a lot of the new stuff, too, because I think they still had a little bit of creative freedom and they're allowed to do what they want. But like, I've got 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 uh, Bourbon County stouts. That was the first vertical of beer I ever had in my life was Goose Island. And a lot of people end up having that as their first vertical. I was yeah. saying, mine, so mine was, I don't know, are you from, you're from here originally, Born right? Born and raised. Okay, so, yeah. so was I. The only vertical I think we were talking about earlier was I had the Leviathan from Stone. And it was just such a unique style and different. My my big favorite thing was always that I um I love Stone Ruination, and even though they change it up, I'm intrigued to see what certain ones do. After I'm gonna a while. what what I'd like to do if you guys are if you guys ever have me back. What I'd like to do is yeah. is please we're I, definitely is, is have um the chance to find something that complements the wine that you choose to drink that day. We should definitely do a food and wine beer. So I would I, I, I would I wanna, love to do that. Yeah. And maybe what we need to do is get somebody like. Maybe Chef Danielle from Breadfruit or um, or Chef Tamara. See if they want to sit down with us, too. So at some point in some time, I'm opening up a wine and beer store in Old Town Scasta. And one of my things is I want to start doing wine versus beer competitions in there to see who likes what with what food. Like, hey, guys, tonight we're having X chef Here's what they're making. We've got wine. This beer we're showing up. 
Here Everybody and whoever gets it at the end, we're gonna have full on competitions. I'm gonna make a really stupid belt, like a WWE belt, and it's gonna be a beer or wine bottle that spins in the middle of it, and it's that like, person gets to take it for them. We're gonna have championships. Like, like, it'll be on like Barbrawls. You ever been to Barbrawls? No. Well, this summer, I'll make sure that you guys come with me. But we're gonna go to Barbrawls, which is awesome, and it is it's it's late summertime, held at uh, Sanctuary Camelback Resort. Oh, I know the this. Sun, I've never been to a Sunday, yes, yes, yes. like almost all industry people, a bar competition. I think for they all did the, it one year at the yard or something. It's like Last one. Bottle Standing, but it's a separate event. Or, that's yeah. that my last thing. Last Slinger Standing. That's what I'm thinking of. That's what you're thinking of. Yeah, it's almost like that, but it takes course over the uh, like six weeks. You know, it's crazy. It's a lot of fun. But I like that idea. This is unbelievable. I'm literally. Enjoy it. You have another. Quarter of a bottle left. You got to get going, right? I got. I apparently have so, to get going. So let's wrap, let's wrap, wrap this up. Wrap this up. So, my first thought, all the wines that we did, I thought were fantastic, man. I appreciate you bringing the beer. Uh, the American Columbia Valley one was probably one of like my more favorites, just because I like that heavy influence of oak. I was blown away that the fact that the second one was the actual Argentinian, the one. cheapest one on the table too. Cheapest one on the table it was definitely the most food friendly one. So if you were gonna have dinner and food, definitely go with that Argentinian one. And the French one, I'm sorry, it disappointed me. I wasn't it it a, disappointed I wasn't a fan me too. Honestly, I understand why Argentina Malbecs dominate the category. This tasting today showcased why those are the ones that the general public are gravitating towards. Yeah. Really, that's that. That's my final thoughts on the wines. Like as far as the, the what we went through. You guys blew my mind on Malbec today, uh, and I, that's crazy to say, right? Like oh, we were just drinking Malbec, but you you opened up my mind. Um, one, I've learned something really valuable, and and I think I'm, I'm hoping that most people who don't know this know it now. But dill American oak, dill American oak, yeah, that's a thing. I had no idea, but uh, the fact that you can get a really fucking good DOC Malbec for what did you say, twenty bucks? Do you know what the other thing I hope we taught you? You should serve your beer like that. You in, need it in you, a giant Bordeaux you, glass. You need you need to see a Teku glass <laughs> so that you understand why I said that's what it goes in because it's probably the Bodega Divino. Yeah, that's, it's a, it's that's a, what a Teku glass looks like. Yeah, it's a burgundy glass. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You see what I mean? By the way, sweet po- covers. This is like. It's such an old broken phone, man. Weird, I'm like a basic bitch right, right. now. Drop my shit. Dro- dro- it's dro- grab one of those burgundy glasses real quick, out of the box. But like you've seen but, these, right? I mean, no, I'm not gonna. Yes, I'm not gonna yeah. pour it. And I just want to show them. Like these are my other style glasses. It's so almost it's more almost like, like those. That. But it's like you know, it comes in a little bit and then it opens up at the top. It's it, it does this. It does this wave. Fat white body. Yep. I so, can understand why you would want this. Guys, I need your in a opinion. Do I need to shave before I go to this thing? I'm you, pretty sure to... that if you shave, you will have a five o'clock shadow in 34 minutes. That's actually not true. I have zero chest hair. Zero back hair. Now this you, took me like nine years to grow. So and you're, <laughs> sure you're, you're good. <laughs> I am an anomaly. Bro, I'm English and look at this. <laughs> Trying to figure How it out. How does this happen? I, all I know is you probably don't taste good. <laughs> no. Definitely not. Not with our food. <laughs> all right, guys. And on that note. <laughs> let's wrap this up. Dude, Yusef, thank you so much no, for coming guys, on. This was, for having this was great. such an honor. I can't wait to do this again. Like It was awesome. This has been fun. Yeah. I'm, cheers, I'm guys. Welcome to our show, man. Thanks. Yeah. Cheers. Now, guys, thanks for listening. Love you. Cheers, brothers.